podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Because you've got powerful legs, how do you get the physique? Was it gym or how do you get the physique? Um, I've always been that. She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. An absolute disgrace. I just sure know it'll mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual I never said that. <laughs> Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. <laughs> you your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natters, Messenger Group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 516th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuttos podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining us on the call we have Rapping Rob Kelly, Andy Patterson and Matty DiGelonardo going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everybody listening through the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of March. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Let's get stuck into the action over the weekend. Barely a minute between these fights we got. We watched as much as we could, I suppose. There's only one place to start, though. The MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Nevada, the WBC interim world super middleweight title, was on the line as David Benavidez outpointed K. The plant 115-113. 116, 112, and 117, 111. No controversy in the main event, scorecards-wise anyway. There was a little bit on the undercard, which we will get to very shortly. Starting off with you tonight, Matty. I thought this was a really good fight, actually. It brought the tension. I was locked in. Benavidez versus Plant, watching from start to finish. No switching off. That says to Wellington that it's a proper fight. When I'm watching, Plant's boxing early, nicely, strategically well, threw a lot of shots off the reset. He's throwing the right punches at the right time. We always knew, Matty, we spoke about this last week. First six rounds, he was probably going to look a million dollars. That was probably going to be the case. It was the second half of the fight. Things would have become interesting. Would Plant's gas tank hold up? Would he still be able to box as effectively to the head, to the body, and move in those final rounds, 10, 11, 12, as he did in the first half? By the end of the fight, we got our answers. We did. And, and Steve, I just got to say, um, I, I'm going to... 
I'm going to take Andy's place here for a second. Now I'm going to spin real quick here. And those of us who picked Benavidez by stoppage, um, we, we got fucked. Um, and I feel bad for Caleb Plant because I kind of felt the last, you know, four and a half minutes of that fight were pretty fucking unnecessary at the end of the day. Um, but we were fucked by Kenny Bayless. Ooh. Kenny Bayless Move gave off. the worst performance of his professional career, in my opinion. This was right up there with the Joe Cortez uh, performance uh, in Mayweather versus Hatton. He showed incredible bias every time he split them up, never warning once plant for holding, only warning Benavidez for elbows or shouldering or whatever he was doing to try to push plant away. Uh, it, uh, taking time to bring plant over to the doctor when he needed a break, not taking a plant away from, uh, or not taking a point away from plant on a flagrant low blow to start the ninth round. Uh, Kenny Bayless used to be one of my favorite referees and we'll get into the rest of the card. There was a performance from the judges that was pathetic as well on this fight. And let me give credit to the Showtime crew for calling out all instances on this where they messed up. Because I think we're coming to a bitter place in boxing. We're even here. We have an incredible card. Great fights up and down. And yet somehow the event is still soured. And the people that do the announcing uh, that have their jobs related to the sport are starting to show their anger against this bullshit, this pathetic refereeing with bias, this pathetic judging, because they realize the decline of boxing is directly related to it. So their jobs, their livelihoods are depending on these people giving these folks a fair shake and not making the sport even more difficult to manage than it already is with these prima donnas who don't want to fucking fight. So we finally do get these fights. They're great, and they still find a way to muddy the waters. Kenny Bayless, it's time for you to retire right now, and I have a real big fucking hunch your nest egg got a little bit bigger, motherfucker. So you go ahead and do it. Yeah. Can I ask, was it just me, or did it, was it just run about the sixth or seventh round that Bayless just all of a sudden started getting involved in that fight? When it seemed like the tide was turning, that Benavides was starting to land shots, he was getting closer and closer. It seemed to me around about the sixth or the seventh that Bayless was starting to get more busier in that fight. Was it just me? Nope. Because because Plant was obviously, he was looking good first half, popping jab, moving, rolling under shots. Now he was doing pretty well sometimes in the pocket. He obviously took some shots in that as well. But at the same time, when he started getting the range down a little bit, Benavides, that's when he started to get involved in the fight. It was, I've I got a note here actually. What was it? The round, round eight it was. Mm. Benavidez might have broke through a massive right hand I've got written here and he says Bayless soon involved Plant using every inch of the ring Bayless again breaks in fight and calls time out for the cut I mean it's a, it's a boxing fight at that time surely the cut I mean if it was bad I thought that's the day to start off with the play, the cut was across the bridge of the nose it wasn't until I seen the lights in between rounds it was actually running about the top end of the, the eyebrow somewhere but, uh, no, he, he got he got involved in that fight midway when it seemed to be the tide was turning actually and I agree with that, that was hoaching Hoaching Why do you think he got involved so much, Under? Well, I say with this guy's experience now, the championship fights this guy's had over the years, he should know better what the fighters fight to. At the end of the day, you've got a lot of riding on it. Why did they know what I'm doing? I don't know. Benavidez has probably got maybe more a, maybe more upside to him, you know, coming through. Plants had his day, possibly, you could say. 
I don't know, mate. It was just hoaching that, that entire performance from that six round onwards. He got involved far too much. And as Matty says, we would have got a defensive winner there. Obviously, it was a defensive winner. But we would have got, probably would have got a stoppage kind of late doors. That's where it was kind of heading. You had Plant landing numerous low blows in that as well. I think someone mentioned about before the start of the 12, I think uh, Breadman had been turned to kind of try and land low shots, possibly. Mm. Um, he did at the beginning of one of the rounds. He well, and Stephen Edwards, for that And I only recall Bayless... Say them once about the about the low blows. Well, only the really flagrant one at the ninth. Only, that was the only one, and that was the most flagrant shot I've seen since Hatton's revenge shot on Zoo. Oddly enough, also in the ninth round, I believe that was. Um, it it was just it was just absolutely pathetic on that. And I think and I, I Stephen Edwards seems like a really good boxing mind. I like his column, etc. But you're calling for that shit, and then looking at your fighter in that 11th round and sending him back out there, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself, man. Absolutely fucking ashamed of that. I mean, that's a father, you know, I, and, and it, it, there's nothing to be gained at that point in time. You look at it. If you would have got that round, he would have gotten an even round on one Georgia scorecards and still lost the fight. Fucking pointless. He had nothing left that he could potentially fucking stop Benavides with. And, and, and it was, and I hate saying this because it was a great fight. And, and 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 both guys gave a gave a great account of themselves, but there's still this bad taste about it, and there shouldn't be with such an incredible fight. And Steve, we we really called it, man. Like I mean, Plant controlled it early. Benavides came on late. The size started to show. And but the one thing, you know, Benavides did have a lower work rate than usual, and it's because Bayless kept him from working in the places that Benavides likes to work. Uh, so, but he didn't even need it. He's big, he's strong, he punches like a fucking mule, and he knows how to keep that physical pressure on a guy. You know, something that I saw Zoo developing against Harrison. It was a, a truly fantastic fight, only marred by the performance of Kenny Bayless at the end of the day, and 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 the, the concern that that I'm sure that that many of us had for Plant in the last couple of rounds. Like Jesus, fuck! I mean, he was getting battered in there. Uh, but a tough son of a bitch, man. Take a break, and I and I will say it for the, the till the end. I don't want to see Canelo against Dimitri Bivol again. I don't think there's anything else that he can do. But David Benavidez against Canelo Alvarez on a Mexican holiday, fucking sign me up. It's going to be electric, and that's going to be a war. One of the best fights that can be made in boxing. And if they goose step around this one, shame on fucking everybody because we know it makes money. It's not going to happen, though, next, because I think Canelo's been clear what he's doing next, rather than Bivol. So it's not happening this year. And what sucks, Andy, and if, if, if Canelo goes in and loses to Bivol again, as we expect that he will, you know, sand some fucking some fuckery, which is obviously always possible. If he loses again to Bevel, more shine is taken off of this fight. I think you know, but sure, Canelo and Bevel does does decent money and decent business. But I think an all Mexican showdown on a Mexican holiday, man, everybody can drink from that trough, and they're fucking stupid if they avoid it because. That is the kind of fight that boxing needs. Guaranteed action, guaranteed fireworks, and it, it someone's getting fucking hurt in that one. And I, it, it needs to happen far more than Bivol against Canelo. Anyhow, Steve. 
Yeah, someone's getting hurt. Let's hope so. Matty DiGiannardo, intense and emotional on a Sunday evening. Love to see it. Everything a Lawrence Coley fight isn't. We'll be getting to that very shortly. Don't worry about that, everybody. Rapping Rob Kelly's here with us as well. The big ring favoured Plant. The cut certainly didn't help things. I said last week his face would mark up like Errol Spence reversing over him. It certainly happened anyway. He was holding on for dear life at the end, Rob. Showed bravery, guts, stamina, jabbing and grabbing. Uh, Kenny getting involved as well, doing everything he could to avoid being knocked down at the end of the fight. I ask you, Rob, what was the better Caleb Plant performance for you, Benavidez or Canelo? Yeah, well, Canelo stopped him, didn't he? Like, so he hung in there against Benavidez. Probably could have got got stopped. I have to admit, I saw a lot of things this weekend because I was in Amsterdam, but the fights weren't one of them. I'm in the airport now on the way home. <laughs> so. You're getting a bit of a, a relaxed analysis here on the whole situation. I think the two boys, I, I'm just happy that they're both friends at the end of it. <laughs> You're not going to tell us how the fight out. went, like like hey to Dave Lowback, Rob. What, what, no, what was like, your favourite round? Like, uh, uh, the fight, um, oh, the, definitely the 12th. I said to myself, <laughs> this is warming up now. You dream of nights like this, Steve. <laughs> no, I just had a jump on really quick. I'm about to board now when I catches uh catches on the flip flop. I'm gonna listen on YouTube when I'm just waiting on my flight. So have a great night and I like, catches next week. Safe travels, Rob. Good lad, Rob. There you go. Rolting will be listening back on YouTube, Boxing Asylum channel later on. Uh, Matty, just before we go back to Andy, you mentioned something there about not sending Benavides out for the eleventh and the twelfth, etc. You mean plan? Was that be- uh sorry, plant, I mean uh, out for the eleventh or the twelfth rather. Um was that because you felt he hadn't got any chance of a knockout? Or what about the point situation? Because he only lost 115, 113 on one card and 116, 112 on the other. So theoretically, a bit of a second wind and things were a lot closer than we thought. Yeah, but it's as we felt it's it was just the twelfth specifically. I, I guess I could see the let him go out for the eleventh. But he took a beating in that eleventh round, Steve. It it was it was fierce. He was he was bloodied up. He had nothing on his shots. And the only thing that really was saving him was Kenny Bayless. I mean, because Benavides was cornering him, tracking him down, and just pummeling the guy. Uh it, it just seemed pointless. And he, and I know that, you know, it, you, it's a tough line to walk because sometimes we're like, ah, that was a, you know, the pussy's way out. He should have saw it through and things like that. But there's, this is a much different, you know, I, I think how the fact that a corner let Caleb Plant go on after the 11th round and a different corner pulled Jeremias Ponce out of the fight after the fifth round and against Subriel Matias, that's fucking ridiculous. That that it's completely juxtaposed to how it should work, um, and uh, it's just yeah, I, I saw no point in in that man taking more of a beating. As disappointed as I was through him with that fight, because believe me, those negative tactics, um, as tough as he is, as much as he tried, those negative tactics did start to wear on me a little bit throughout the fight. To to where you know, like uh, as much as I was impressed with him, I, I don't necessarily know that uh, his Caleb Plant's stock went up with me. Um, over this weekend. I mean, yeah, maybe in toughness, but um, I, I just, um, just, yeah, he, he, he just, he, he was glad, he was glad to go in there and spoil. He, 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 uh, he uh, negotiated for that 22 foot ring and it's, yeah, it was what it was. Um, but it, Benavides is fantastic. And I sure hope he gets a shot at Canelo. He, he's earned it. He's a, he's a good, he's a good young fighter. He's gotten himself clean. And he's truly a bad son of a bitch. Um, There's a reason they're calling him the Mexican monster now. Um, He's a vicious fucker. Um, And if he he can't get that action, 
Um, I'd like to see what might happen if he can go up to 175 because he obviously has the frame for it. And in if in if if Canelo sidesteps him somehow, and there's a way that Benavidez can somehow get a shot at Bivol in there. That would be fun because if he can somehow topple Bevel, that's a big machismo fuck you to Canelo. Absolutely. Um, is it the toughness, Andy? I mean, Michael Thompson's throwing in a super chat there. Shout out to him. He says, what's the missing piece to Plant's game? Is it the toughness? Is it the gas tank? Is it the lack of power? I mean, what what, what is that missing puzzle piece? Well, I don't think it's a lack of toughness. I think he showed that during the stretch here last night. I, I kind of agree. I, I see where Matt is coming from, to, to be fair. I mean, he did take a bit of pummeling around about the 10th. And that. Again, you got Bayless involved. You know, plans trying to dig deep. You know, I think it was, there was one instance, I think I can recall him having a, a dig deep moment around about the 9th. I think he kind of let, let go a couple of combinations. And then obviously the 12th, he's trying to swing shots and that as well, showing a bit of heart. Um, but he just struggled with the pace down the stretch. So I, th- I think ultimately, you know, just asking, answer Michael's question, possibly it is, it is a gas tank, but also as well, just just that, that that wee bit of power as well, you know, that he could actually just, just turn the fight or just turn Benavidez's thinking about walking forward because everything, well, according to Benavidez at least, that he was never bothered or touched up by any shots. Um, and obviously you had uh, that moment, it was late in the fight, he was getting ready, he got caught with a... I think it was a big left hook, Khalid Plant, and then obviously they kind of they kind of he wrestled and they kind of felt felt the floor that type of thing. If he just managed to kind of you know, just so much kind of like get, get tied up with him, but then obviously maybe just tee off from him at that point, maybe kind of got the stoppage in. But well, Bayless was obviously involved in that instances as well, and that. So again, he toughed it out. Probably as again the gas tank, just maybe just no got that that game changing power in that as well. Even though what he did to Darrell, you know end of the day, it's just nothing really that was going to give that guy problems. And you look at his face and that as well, Benavides, it looked like he hadn't really been in a fight, really, to be fair. So, um, probably that as well. Um, so, I, uh, I would say probably the gas tank, but also a wee bit of, kind of game-changing power as well, possibly. Uh, Matty, talking about uh, stylistic issues, I don't. Benavides didn't really jab as much as I expected. He only started touching the body late on. He did look a little bit clumsy at times, but I suppose he's such a big guy. That brute strength, the the relentless aggression came through in the end. We all know that this fight's been years in the making. I think the dislike was genuine. It wasn't like a sort of Eddie Hearn fake beef. These two didn't like each other. But the question for you is, Matty, how much has Benavidez improved since the Rick Graville fight? Uh, and more to the point, has he improved enough to beat Canelo? And a version of Canelo who isn't the same fighter, I think we'll all agree, as the man of yesteryear. I, as far as the Canelo part, I think that's a little bit more in depth. And I think there's still a lot that Benavidez does that goes right into Canelo's wheelhouse. Um, it's, it's just one of those things, like... For me, Benavides, he's just he does have a lot of good punches. He knows how to tire you down the stretch. Um, he's showing that he he's found a way to to really utilize his gas tank at the best and be that increasing pressure fighter. You know that train; it just keeps moving, and once it gets moving, you're not going to stop that thing. You know the the Joe Joyce is the world, right? Um, and and to say where I think he's at, I I, I guess I could make that short and sweet. I, I think that David Benavides is everything that the Mexican fans wish Jaime Munguia was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hearn talking about Munguia fighting Dimitri Bivol this uh, this week, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Andy, you're mentioning there on the comments, it's more Benavides is a light heavyweight boiling down. We have a question from uh, Dominic regarding that, but just mm-hmm. looking at the picture there. It looks like they've dug up the body of Salvador Sanchez, doesn't it? He doesn't, he doesn't uh-huh. look great at the weight. <laughs> well, it was just—it was more. Can I just say that to Michael Thompson? I think he was trying to 
pick up his comment there. I think it was more he was asking about the kind of physicality. It's not that was Matt Butler's plant looked like someone took a baseball bat then that wasn't that. Some, somebody mentioned about plants lack of physicality, but it was more the point is as you say Benavidez coming down from one side. He's, he's more a legit 175. Look at him there. I mean, when I seen that that way, and I think it was 163 and three quarters, I thought he cooked the gas a wee bit there. When you, when you hear a fighter who's big as him at the weight coming out just almost two pounds under the weight, you think he's cooked that a little bit there. And you just wonder if it's going to have a, a negative effect. And he always looks like this at weigh-ins. I've seen him worst, mind you, to be fair. His skin kind of changes that kind of grey colour. He's drawing about the face and the eyes kind of popping out and that. It just doesn't look... And he looks like he doesn't kind of hydrate well as well, to be fair. But, you know, fair play to him. He still keeps a, you know, a, a good pace going. Obviously, the power must be really heavy in that as well, if it's carrying late into fights and that as well. So, um, I just thought it would be interesting to mention that. But, really, for as good as what he is it's at 168 and as strong as what he is, it's a day of reckoning for me for him up at uh, 175 I mean can you imagine if that was Beterbiev's jab that pl- it was he was meeting there last night you know, you know man of what plant was throwing it and that as well it would be a different different ball game I think entirely um, obviously as well it would be interesting to see what he'd be like at 175 but um, it's just what I was going to both mention that because you know plants are more a legit 168 whereas Benavides is more like 175 they are on the screen. Andy gets stuck into it if you want to. Dominic Henry threw in the question as good a place as any to ask it. What chance would David Benavides stand against B2B at 175? I think it's a violent fight. Just bring my in at the same time. I, th- I think, um, obviously, Baterbev, he's, he's ramrod jab. I think with the way that Benavides attacks, he does come in kind of straight, you know, straight forward sometimes. He does let in those well shots. I think if Baterbev punches in between those, those shots, he's got a great chance, especially if he can time it to head and body and that. Um, you know that you've all heard about the jabs, like mate. That's got a shotgun going off, and uh, I think once we get past seven, eight rounds, I think that's going to be you know where, where it's because obviously Benavides takes a wee bit of time to get into fights, so there's Baterbiev a wee bit in that as well. But he seems to kind of get get the jab going. He doesn't waste a shot with no Baterbiev, whereas Benavides might just sell out a little bit and try and you know try and lay it on him a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't underestimate the Baterbiev as well because we all know he's a vicious guy once he gets the heat put on him and he saw what happens when he gets cut on that as well the red mist comes down he goes to action so um, it's an interesting one I would probably favour side with Baterbiev at this point to be fair yeah, uh, James G, James G. Just quickly, Matty says I'd ignore the gravel fight and surround that time he was on the piss and sniffing coke all the time, according yeah. to himself. Now he's had a kid and he settled. He's better. I think that's a fair comment. But what about Baterbiev? Baterbiev is starting to show signs of wear and tear. I tell you what, it'd be a bloody affair anyway. It it would be, and and you got to think that that uh, you know yard even in defeat uh, showed that you can. You, that you can hang in there and throw some power punches uh, against uh, against better be of um, and and give them some trouble uh, and and I think the fact that uh, that uh, Benavides has better foot speed than than uh, better be of could actually matter because uh, that that fight could be just fought at close distance the whole time and I think it's just a matter of at the end of the day of how uh, how Benavides can take uh, the shots of Arter. Um, because I do think that that he has the potential again down the stretch to just really wear out just about anybody and 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 bludgeon them down. Uh, tough as as Arthur Betrabiev is, um, but nonetheless, I uh, it's like Andy said, you got to kind of side with with Arthur on that one. But I just, man, I just got this lean towards Benavides on this one. I I think he's one of those 
rare, really good pressure fighters. And, and you got to think he's got a, he's got a good chin on him, Steve. I mean, the plant landed some, some good shots there. He landed a left hook or two that were just as good as the one that he landed on Anthony Durrell and didn't fucking matter to Benavidez one goddamn bit. Didn't bug him. Mm. More importantly, Matty, what do you think about Benavidez's hair? Uh, have you ever considered going for the cornrows or the dreadlock look? I tried to cornrow my hair once, but my hair is just too fine to make it happen, unfortunately. There you go. Revelations on a Sunday evening. Mark Stanton as well said, Sky, Sky need to get Beanet to prison and back on their shows. I, know I, was, not relevant I was thinking to this about con, him last night. I agree, Andy, man. I didn't think I would ever say this, but fucking get Bean back, man, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was actually thinking about him last night. I was flipping between that and the BT cars. I was saying, what is Bean actually? It's been a long time since he's been MIA, isn't it? Obviously, there's, uh, there's rumours abound, but... Um, yeah, he's in prison, be... isn't he? Betting for shower gel and uh, toothpaste. Well, I, <laughs> I suppose, but can, can, can you imagine... Been trying to sell that main event there last night, man. Oh, Sky, come on, now. oh man, it would be, it would be his deplorable best. You know, <laughs> he's in strange ways smuggling links up his arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody, for that, uh, links. that image. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, okay, uh, we'll go to the chat shortly and have a look, see who's hanging around. Before we do that, Matty, let's go on to the undercard. Uh, starting with the at your request, um. I'll lead you in with a bit of a lengthy one here because I have a few notes on this fight, actually. Colbert, Chris Colbert, oh no. yeah, against Rayo Valenzuela. My initial feelings at the time, Matty, watching this in real time, well, this morning, as if it was live, was that it was a bullshit decision. How on earth did they come to that conclusion? It was embarrassing listening to Colbert trying to justify it at the end. I thought he was hurt numerous times. He got dropped early on. His eye was closing up, his left eye. I know there's something to be said for slip boxing, but surely you've got to take into account the person who is hurting the other guy time and time again. However, this was not necessarily everybody's take. They're playing devil's advocate, respected pundit, Matt Butters, <laughs> scored it 95-94 to Colbert. So I ask you, Matty, take away the big moments. Is it possible that whenever Colbert wasn't getting busted up, whenever he wasn't on the verge of being stopped, he was actually winning uh, rounds, he was actually scoring points, therefore, can we make a case for this scorecard? Quinn I thought, Steve, at best you could give Colbert four rounds, which would make it 96-93 for Valenzuela. Uh, that Those three judges all with the same card, absolutely ridiculous. And I'll just get out of the way. The only thing that you can criticize Valenzuela for is playing with his food, okay? Mm. That's, that's the only thing you can really criticize him for at the end of the day. But those three judges were awful. And I fucking hate saying these things because obviously we have connections. We're not even going to get into it. But I'm absurdly disappointed with it. And a couple of judges been around a very, very long time. Uh, one of them used to actually put in very strong scorecards 99% of the time. Just getting weaker and weaker all the time. And I can't figure the fuck out how they were able to get Chris Colbert with, with not even five. Six rounds. I, I, there's not six rounds that I could find. I think that the there was maybe one or two swingy rounds in there, but I thought that that at the end of the day that that Valenzuela had five clear rounds in his pocket plus a knockdown that should have gotten him clear, fucking regardless. And going back to the previous fight in Kenny Bayless, and it's just this thing, and you can't, and I. I hate saying this shit because it sounds so fucked up. Steve, I just watched a fantastic documentary on Netflix, okay? 
Mm. And, and I, I highly recommend all sports fans to watch this, whether you like basketball or not. Okay. And it's called Untold Operation Flagrant Foul. And it's the story of an NBA ref named Tim Donahue. And Tim, well, got, him. So, Tim so Tim, and this was only ended about 15, 17 years ago, Steve. So this isn't like, oh, in the long distant past. So he got involved with some some uh, some heavy level gamblers, and and he said that him and apparently a couple of other referees in any given game, just based on what they call, can move the game six points either direction. Think about it in the realm of a spread when they call these things really really well. And something like Valenzuela Colbert was a pick 'em fight in the books with Valenzuela starting a, sl- a slight underdog and moving closer towards fight time. And you look at what Kenny Bayless did there. You look at what the, is going on with some of these judges and these iffy fights. That idea of, in my position, I can move the fight just a little bit more. Oh, the over-under is eight and a half rounds? I can get it over that hump. This is going to be a pretty close fight. I can get you a couple of cards. You know, there's there's obviously a line, but sport is set up in a way where corruption is easy as fuck to get away with on the lowest level because it doesn't take a whole lot for these guys to change things a little bit. Not make it sometimes where it's decided between winners or losers, but just how long a fight goes and things like that. So... My take on this whole fucking card right now is something is very smelly in Vegas right now, and they better fix it because the sport is depending on you to do it because we can't have this shit. That Valenzuela kid, he he was a wreck after that, and Colbert is a fucking punk. I gained so much respect for him during the course of the fight just for fighting through what he couldn't against Hector Garcia, only for him after the fight to lose all that respect. Fuck Chris Colbert. I hope he gets the shit fucking pushed in next time. Fuck him. Valenzuela, uh, he just played with his food a little too much. He could have taken it out of the judges' hands, I think, but he didn't, and it, it was just ridiculous. The, this 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 card just reeks of something super fucking fishy in in little areas. Not the whole thing. It's not the whole picture. It's just a few little people who are willing to play along. So that's my yeah. thought. Las Vegas stinking of fish. And it's not just in the red light district. Andy. Andrew Thicket says Valenzuela, a poor man's catch-all. What's done is done. That's an interesting comment. I thought that it actually resembled the Hector Luis Garcia fight in parts. Maybe that's just Colbert's demeanour. At the end of the day, Colbert needs to be protected for himself because I think he takes a lot of shots. He's very brave. I mean, there's no doubt in his bollocks. But he's too vulnerable to trouble the top guys. I mean, I'm not sure where his place is in boxing, which is weird given the fact that he won the fight. Where's Chris Colbert going? Because you serve him up against anybody half decent. He's going to get hurt. Well, he's not going to be... Personally, I don't think anyway, he's going to be a world champion again. If he did ever pick up one of those fake... I rated him too, Andy. I thought he was really good on the way up. Well, I, I don't know what, what episode it was, but I remember I was talking about him very early on in his career and I mentioned that he, that he was part of some documentary... Yes, uh, right. following some, you know, obviously they're coming up through the just early part of the pro careers. He started, he, he was a base span, I think it was Juan Carlos Revecchio or maybe Juan Carlos Piano, with one of the super flyweight champs at that time. And, you know, they were hard seasoned vets and he got his ship pushed in uh, in sparring. And there was question marks about his mentality, you know, his, his lifestyle, making weight, eating shit, you know, 
that that Floyd Mayweather lifestyle, but you know, just not putting in the same effort. Then obviously he took that L, and then there last night, as you said, he was he was when when he got landed with big shots, he felt every fucking one of them. I thought you, I, th- I thought when that first round, I thought he was out when I seen the video, you know, the, the way he took that shot, the way the head whipped around, and the way he fell. I thought, Christ, that's that's him. He's out. I just personally think um, there is something fishy. I think that it could be heavily influenced by a possible reality that Colbert was facing a second loss and uh, with the badly damaged his career. I don't know if he's got, you know, I feel kind of like looking toward them as, you know, some sort of, I don't know, card filler, future champ. I don't, I really don't know what it is at this point. You know, there's people obviously out there protecting their investments somewhere along the line because um, to me, at least I think the, the absolute you could give that is, is probably two points. I had Valenzuela win the fight. Um, Colbert, he's actually afterwards fight, man. I, I, I tell you what, as well standing there just kind of listening to that bullshit and that as well. And then the weak kind of racist epithet which kind of put in there as well for, <laughs> by Colbert. I'm like, fuck you, man. You know, absolutely fuck you. You'll get your day again at some point. Um, felt sorry for Valen as well, man. End of the day, you could say that you know, the decision wasn't agreed upon, right? Well, maybe it was agreed upon beforehand. And people say, well, he should have taken it out of the hands of the judges. But at the same time, it doesn't make, that doesn't change the fact that the boy won the fight. It's like that Michael Fox, remember he fought, was it, I can't mind who, was it was an Ecuadorian or a Mexican, I forget who it was at this, this point. And our kind of hometown, he, he got hosed on the cars. This, this shit has just got to stop, man. Clear winners, we could we could all see who won the fight. I, would, I wouldn't say it was a, an absolute wide win, but there's absolutely no way. What was the scorecards again? There's no way that Colbert won that fight. 95-94. 95-94, no. Well, even, even Jim Gray called it out. I, I, the, and he went through his whole thing at the end, and that's why I'm saying these guys are starting to get pissed off because they know their job's online. Fair play to Teddy Atlas. He was always very, very uh, upfront with it. But does Teddy have a job on a network anymore? No. Jim Gray only said it when Colbert left the ring, though. No, he, I... he had to get his interview out of the way. There, There is that journalistic integrity of not giving your position away before you ask your questions and then when you get done you get the piece then then you can say where you stand i respect that it's very reasonable when it comes to to to, to trying to conduct an interview i i, I respect maybe, how you came about it maybe valens willow was just a bit kind of wary after what happened to him his last fight you know obviously he was hurting colbert they didn't want to overstep himself and get caught with something maybe a wee bit of mental issue there as well. Maybe he didn't want to get clocked with anything. Maybe he was kind of worried about the chin. But Cobra isn't known as a big hitter at the end of the day and that as well. I take the guy's point in the chat that he should you know end off he should have stepped in the end of the fight. It's all well saying that. You know, well you see against De Los Santos he did that, didn't he? Hurt ah, him in the first there, round, dropped him and then he ended up going balls to the wall Sold and out. stopped. Yeah. Sold out and then got stopped. And you know you, you, you maybe he learned from that. Maybe see like okay I'll yeah. pick away him. Yeah. He has to th- he has to think to himself here, look, I'm beating this guy. I'm hurting them every time I throw. I'm hitting. I'm landing something heavy. I'm, I'm hurting them. Visibly showing it as well. I've dropped his ass. I've hurt him numerous times in the fight. Well, where does the things like punch power and all that come into? Because I always remember years ago, uh, Phil Sutcliffe was fighting a guy. I think it was Chris Jenkins actually, or Craig Evans, one of those ubiquitous Welsh fighters who used to turn up in Belfast. And afterwards, a lot of people thought at ringside, Andy, that Jenkins had won the fight. But the referee, I think it was uh, Hugh Russell or Eamon McGill, one of them scored it in Sutcliffe's favour. And afterwards he said the reason why he did it was because even though Jenkins was doing a lot of work, he said Sutcliffe was just hitting him with such hard shots. You could hear them thudding time and again. And he, you know, that was the basis for it. So I wonder, 
whether the sort of the power, the punching power, does that kind of uh, it's the age old scoring debate. It's the, isn't it, it's, the, yeah, it's the effect of punching at the end yeah. of the day, and I think that's what it comes down to. If 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 look if if you're if you're a technique, but just take plant for example. You know, you need you need if you're boxing like that for twelve rounds, and you've got a guy walking you down, and that you need to have something to kind of back him up. And if you've got a guy who just throw, who can throw heavy shots, and you can hear it, you can visibly see a reaction, like the fight, like the fighter or the opponent dropping the hands back and off. You know, taking a knee, whatever it is. You know, it's 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 you're going to go with the guy with the effective punches at the end of the day. Um, obviously, you can you got to kind of like give the box on that as well as due, but you know, it's effective punch and effective aggressiveness, uh, ring you know ring generalship and you know solid defense, but. Um, I think I think the solid punches and effective punches, effective aggression was coming for Venezuela. Definitely, you know, to me, it won the fight. Okay, maybe the crowd was pro Venezuela or whatever it is, but um, <laughs> I just I've I've yet to see apart maybe just people on the troll, maybe like maybe a handful of people saying that that Colbert won that fight um, by a couple of points. Oh, they're full I of just, shit. I, 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 I see people in the chat, I, man. I, they're just full of shit. The flat out, go back and watch that fight. And there are five rounds where Chris Colbert has no argument that he won that round. And one of them, he got put on his ass. The other one, you could have scored the round where he kept fucking dabbing at his eye 10-8. He was getting fucking walloped around that fucking ring that round. Fuck Chris Colbert. The ref at said multiple times in that round, show me something, Chris. Pathetic fucking decision, and and like I, I, I love y'all very very much, but uh, Jesus. No way to do. I see is it Rocky Rodriguez in the chat saying I'm not trolling real one four rounds only. He's, he's putting Rocky... his point of view across uh-huh. respectfully. To be fair, bring him on and let him, let, let him explain yeah, it though. If he wants he won, to, he won four rounds of the first seven. What about well, the last three? You give him all the Colbert. Yeah. There we go. Well. That's what happens. It's opinions, different opinions, everybody. Uh, let's go on to uh, Jesus Ramos against Joey Spencer in the next one. Talking to pe- uh, people taking L's, Matty. I got this one badly wrong, man. First Me of too. all, I, lo- I looked at them coming out the first few seconds and the size difference. It was crazy. I was like, oh, my God, there's no chance in hell Joey Spencer's going to win this fight. What was I thinking, man? He looks absolutely tiny. I overthought the fight because I liked Ramos as a, as a, as a prospect. I thought he looked good. I was but never really fussed with Spencer. He didn't look this filled out against Santa Maria, did he, Steve? Oh, he didn't look this built, did he? I think it's because, it, must be, it must be because of Spencer moving up in weight. The conventional wisdom said to me that Ramos didn't look great against Santa Maria. Spencer looked really good against Salgado. So I tried a little cheeky pick for Spencer on points, but it just became quickly apparent when he was dropped with that short left hand. I think it was in the first round. I badly messed up here. The size differential, Spencer's going to have to try and drag his ass down. I know he said he was struggling with the weight below, but he is way too small for this weight. And Ramos, I'm back on the hype train. I thought he looked like an absolute beast, but it could have been a Styles make fights, Matty, but he just beat the shit out of him. Yeah, you, you could be right. I mean, there's some things, I mean, you, about Ramos that you could get on him with. He, he could be outworked, the way he holds his guard and stuff, and such like that. And, and it's it's tough to tell when you just dominate over someone so much. But he looked fucking beastly at the weight. Um, he's he's really filled in 154 well. Um, it, obviously, Charlo and Zoo have to get it on. Steve, uh, in, in a perfect world, maybe they would give us Ramos against Fundora on that undercard with the winners to meet, right? Uh, maybe mm. in some perfect world. I, I think that's a hell of a freaking fight right there, my friend. Obviously, Fandora uh, uh, has to get by Mendoza. Um, but uh, as far as it goes, yeah, it was interesting. This this fight 
was uh, was seen as much closer with the books than the uh, the Cody Crowley against the uh, the elder Ramos was, and uh, that one ended up being much closer down the stretch actually. Uh, so it was. Uh, I, I tell you what, this was this was the one fight that ended was was a kind of a blowout in the entire card. And um, it, it, it wasn't based on how things thought because, uh, you know, even odds makers thought it was a reasonably close fight. Um, and, and out of everything they swung at, uh, this was the only uh, the only uh, like, you know, one sided beat down of the bunch uh, where it wasn't competitive with moments um, at, at times. And, and it got if it wasn't for Spencer's heart, man, it, it would have been a much shorter night because uh, a lot of other guys would have succumbed after two or three rounds of that shit. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Shout out to Danny Young. He says, I had Ramos KO. Come follow me, lads. Follow him to the top of the prediction league. He's doing bits with Danny at the moment. He's reigning supreme as the current king. Spencer, he looked a bit like Scott Quigg and he fought a bit like Quigg as well. Hands up. Ramos was just scything away. Hooks from both hands. Clearly a big puncher. He's going to be a problem for anybody. As Matty said there, Spencer showed a lot of toughness, but he's just shipping too many shots. And I think it was around the fifth round. I thought, you know what? Spencer's outgunned here. It was starting to look a little bit uncomfortable. Only his heart keeping him in it. I was glad when they stopped it in the end. Now, Andy, I know you only saw bits and pieces of Cody Crowley against the other Ramos. Um, quick point to you on the TV replay in round 11. I don't think it disrupted yeah. anything. A few people were discussing this. It happened in between rounds. They got the right conclusion. I don't think that it was a knockdown. He's, his gloves didn't touch the canvas, even though his arse went down a little bit. I think I was happy enough with that, the way they handled it. I thought it was quite a smooth transition. Yeah, they, 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 they ended up taking the point back, didn't they? Must have done, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I was like, because um, obviously between the round, I just nipped, I nipped away to do something and come back. And then they were talking about it, obviously, I, mean, I missed them between round, And obviously they, they've been talking about it, so I didn't really kind of catch up on it. So that was good that they actually done it. Smooth, as you said, uh, you wouldn't really notice that. So if you were sitting there drunk, you would have noticed anyway, put it that way. Um, it was okay fight for what I seen of it. I thought uh, Crawley just, you know, just smothered Ramos just time and again. Actually, he's going to be a tough out for anybody. Actually, obviously he got marked up a little bit, and he's got deficiency in that regard in terms of how he fights. He's going to get caught with some shots. Uh, Ramos obviously showing his experience, a but you know, remaining calm, done his best, his best as what he could in that. But Crawley was just like he was just nailing him with like, body shots and uppercuts and that. So you know, fair play to him. He's pounded it through and that. I think maybe um, maybe he's, maybe it's just it's just his kind of lack of power in that possibly in that as well. It's if if he could maybe just get a few knockouts off he had, you know, that KO ability, he'd be the, be a formidable force actually, especially with that output that he's got. So um, um, was that that was an eliminator? Was it for was, was it you gas? Who was it for again? IBF. So I suppose Spence. He's closing in on Spence, isn't he? Was it right? Yeah. Someone mentioned throwing Crowley in against Boots, and uh, God love Crowley. I, I think that's a bad style matchup for him. I, I just think he has a tendency to, to kind of lean and sit there, and Ramos picked him off a bit there, and, and I yeah. can see Boots. Flick the winning. job and lean forward, yeah. Yeah, and I think I just kind of see Boots landing just a nice 45 and, and separating him from his fucking consciousness. Um, I got all love to Cody Crowley, but fucking if he goes into Boots, he might have a temporary uh, reunion with his parents. Oh, what a lovely image. Uh, yeah, so good luck to him, I suppose, at the end of the day. Matty, just quickly there, M. Lithgow. That's Martin Lithgow. He signed up with us over at patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum this week. He's asking about the Boxing Nutters Prediction League. Any, any updates for anybody who's wishing to join? 
yeah, so that is going to be uh, this week is the last week of predictions for the first uh, for the first uh, portion of this year. So the new season is going to start with picks next week. And what you're going to need to do with that is you're going to need to number one, be a member of our Patreon, at which point Steve will give you access to our uh, our uh, WhatsApp group. And from there, uh, we will get you the directions through the group and uh, get your uh, predictions from there. Uh, you'll get all the information once you're in there. But yeah, you got to be a Patreon. You got to be in the uh, in the uh, the messenger group. And uh, from there, uh, yeah, we'll take care of it. And it looks to be a, a mighty fine pot this year. And uh, the, I do believe the Nutters are a fine group of uh, gentlemen and lady. Can't uh, forget Holly, who's doing very well in the league, uh, might I say. Um, but uh, and I do think that they're all going to pay up and, and be faithful to their oath. Um, and that's all we ask is that uh, is that uh, you pay up to the, the person who wins the league at the end of the year on your own volition. And if you do as much, you'll be able to come and participate in the next season. And uh, we've been having a great time. And uh, there's some guys that, man, Steve, I tell you what, uh, I, I don't know why we're here. They should be the ones giving boxing predictions. We fucking suck. Uh, it's uh, the, the excuse me. That... Excuse me. Winner of the prediction league last year. You're talking to him, I <laughs> Yes, Steve. But but then we increased the number of people that were in the prediction league and all of a sudden you're no longer the champion oh anymore. come on they only increased it's... it by about eight or nine is it well that's <laughs> well i'm in there we all knew i was going to be going <laughs> eight to 10. um but yeah it's a it's a good time in there but remember you want to be part of that uh it, it's basically kind of like it's kind of like the way that uh, the americans do fantasy football leagues you know I um, mean, except we got stuff going on every single week and you don't have to wait for 162 games of fucking bullshit and rainy games and crap to get through it with baseball. So, yep. Well said, Marty. Des says the WhatsApp group is a game changer. No understatement there from Des. Right. You are listening to episode 516 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Rapping Rob Kelly's been on giving his fantastic assessment. Matty's still here with us. So is Andy. Alongside me, Steve, let's uh, flush the toilet of the chat and see who floats to the top. Uh, Dr. FMG's in there. Welcome to you, sir, all the way from Australia. Uh, Matt Slippery Butters, giving predictions, is in the chat as well. So is Harvey Price, Boxing Returns. Michael Thompson's thrown in the solo super chat tonight. If you want to join him, feel free. Mark Stanton's there as well. M. Lithgow, 1983. Yeah, if you want to wake up to 500 notifications in the morning, then get in the in the WhatsApp group. That's the best thing for you. Just uh, click your ads and then go straight to the bottom, you know? <laughs> and then if you see something interesting, you can follow the fucking clicks up the fucking way. Sometimes it's good to do that, and sometimes you'll regret it because you've, you'll either be disturbed or be like, what the fuck just happened to 30 minutes of my life? Where am I? Um, good group. Yeah. Of, great, great group, though. Great group. Good group of lads. Uh, Des, Yumi Yappi's there as well in the chat tonight. Jim McDonald. Boxing 2.0. Who else have we got? Let's have a look. I know we had Rocky Rodriguez hanging around. You're very welcome. Not a name I am familiar with. MB's here as well. Joey Chaz says a Coley's trash. We can agree with that. We'll be getting onto that fight shortly. Andrew Thickett is always watching on Facebook as well. A shout out to him. Shout out to Johnny as well. Just flicking up here, scrolling, see who else is hanging around. Clouds Gaming. Danny Young, of course. At top of the Prediction League. Uh, who else have we got? Let's see if there's any new names. Harvey Price Boxing Returns. I think we already mentioned him. Number one is in the chat. A final couple as well before we move on to the next fights. Uh, Sonny D. That's teacher Sonny D. Shout out to Sonny. Um, always uh, good for a chat over on LinkedIn. Are you on LinkedIn, Matty? No, I, I wouldn't want people to find more ways to contact me in this world. 
<laughs> oh, there we are. Right, okay, yeah. Uh, shout out to Michael Thompson as well, just at the end there. Let's move on to the action. Oh, Kevin Sutherland is dropping in. Evening all, says Kevin. Absolutely, can uh, endorse that. He's a member of the WhatsApp group as well, is Kevin. I think right, Kevin let's get... Sutherland was a PGA golf professional too. I wonder if they're the same Kevin Sutherland. Probably. What's he going to do with himself after retirement and hang around with the likes of us, Matt? Yeah, That's the question. I, what, what else would you do with your money other than give it to Steve to be part of the Patreon? Exactly. Join us, patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. There's plenty in there for you. A lot of stuff we can't mention in here as well, but it's well worth your while. I'll say that much. Right. Let's move on to things that weren't worth your while. Uh, matchmaker Al Siesta. Love a bit of Al Siesta. He's a good guy. I haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, I am, of course, talking about the Manchester Arena. No bombings. Uh, going on there, Andy, Ben Shalom is the promoter, Lawrence Acoli against David Light. I didn't see any of the undercard because I was out busy. I asked in the Boxing Nutters Messenger group, Andy, what's worse, watching Lawrence Acoli fight or yeah. listening to boring Ben Shalom talking about Lawrence Acoli fighting? <laughs> well, mate, thankfully I never heard either of them because uh, I went to my bed early, as I say, hoping to get up to see the main event in America and I slept through it. So, <laughs> thankfully, by the sounds of it, I actually did the right thing. Mr. Lawrence O'Coley and Uncle Frank still had three fights to show on his card, so it would be like midnight before the BT card finished. I said, ah, fuck this shit, man, I'm too old. So I'm going to get up at five o'clock, and I slept through my alarm, so lo and behold, here we are. I did catch a couple of fights on their card, though. Um, just talking about bad decisions. Firstly, just mentioned Michael Gomez Jr. against Levi Giles. Fuck me, man, what a detestable prick that Gomez is. But anyways... Um, 97-94, Michael Gomez on one card, I think it was, no, two cards, sorry, 97-93, 97-94, and yeah, Giles get 96-95, a wee bit like Planet, I suppose, you know, doing a lot of off the back foot, good jab, um, using the ring as such, and obviously Gomez was having these moments where he was, you know, he was picking moments and that, he was getting his body shots in, but it was it was hard to find, you know, it was obviously it was a 10-rounder, it was really hard to find, giving them, you know, 97-93, fucking disgraceful scorecards. Anyways, Fraser Clark beat that Bogdan Dinu, one of Rob's best fighters, favourite fighters. Um, just, I think it was a body shot he caught away that he felt it, and he's obviously complaining in the corner, saying he can of continue. Um, it was awful, mate. i seen bits of that. Carice, is it Arting style? I think her name's pronounced. Um, she kind of had that her own way, the kind of whole fight and that. Um, I was flipping between that and the BT card at the same time, mate. So, yeah, it wasn't it great. And for what I was hearing about uh, Lawrence O'Coley, um, the least say the better, the better, or the least time spent on it, the better, actually, because apparently it would bring tea to a glass eye. Well, Ad Cantor on Twitter, Andy, says, the zone should use Lawrence O'Coley no longer appearing on there as a selling point. And I know it's quite a bit of a humorous comment, but seriously... Why on earth a boxer and <laughs> kind of like Chinese restaurants when they took MSG out, <laughs> big sign out front now without a Coley. <laughs> exactly, no lacking a Coley. Why on earth would Sky and Boxer and then be so desperate to take him off his hands, uh, off Eddie's hands? And I suppose Eddie's laughing now. He managed to get rid of him. Is it because he's a name, a star, an Olympian? Why is Sky desperate to put this shit on on a Saturday night? I don't know, mate. Maybe they're just uh, probably they're, just, they're trying to get scrambling for names. Players. I think these days, aren't they, everybody? Uh, Plus, he's got a world title as such, so they, yes. can, they can market that as well. But actually, I've never watched a stitch yet. I have no intention going back to try and watch it. So if, I think the comments say it all, mate, at the end of the day. We all know what it was like. He had a couple of, moments, a couple of fights and that as well where he looked pretty okay. For a guy that size and that, you know, is he packing glass? Is he hiding something? Is this why he's so negative? I, I don't know what it is, mate, to be fair. Um, 
They need to put him in with React, but they need to find a way to make that. Well, ah, I suppose. Clean they, it they, up. I think I think they say as well. There's not many people at Cruiserweight who might even beat him. Uh, that said, it'd be fucking boring to watch him at the same time. But uh, I who the champs are at this point. You, know, that... you got Opatoya. I know FMG's uh, high on him. I was impressed with his performance against Bradis, but I need to see the Wellington body of evidence just to see if he is the real deal. But I like what I see so far. He's a uh, big physical guy, very strong. I mean that you know that Samoan build. I don't know that he would. Uh, he'd let a Coley just fucking grab him. Well, that's the thing. You've got to find a way around it. It's a bit like a sort of bigger Devin Hay. And if he has attributes, that's the thing, hasn't he? The long arms, the grab. He just grabs hold on for dear life. No referee seems to stop it. Maybe Kenny Bayless needs to be drafted in or something. He, he knows how to win. He's boring. Is he holding hiding glass? He's with Sugar Hill. They can't seem to find a way of him throwing his shots. He's going to be very, very difficult to beat. Well, I haven't even seen this fight, Steve, but without seeing oh. it, I've seen it all, right? I, if, you know, it's and uh, fair, fair play to light for making it the distance. I think everybody kind of thought he was going to get beat up pretty yeah. badly in there, and and it uh, doesn't sound like that was the case whatsoever. Um, I think you uh, have to uh, give fair play to, uh, God damn it, why am I forgetting his name right now, who light just fought before. Oh, uh, Glanton. Yeah, yeah, Glanton, who who was able to drop light um, in ten rounds, uh, so you, you got to give him some credit on that one. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. I I think I, I think William Smith has improved since his first fight with Reactor, and I, I think between the three of them, you just kind of got to clean it up. Uh, kind of what happened, you know, in the uh, Hay Macronelli era, um, and just get done with it. Um, and it, it would be nice to see somebody who has the ability to to force um to, to force a coley to really fight and doesn't give him the opportunity to just clinch yeah michael thompson says a coley has regressed yet another example of a fighter looking worse after leaving shane that was the impression i got last night i thought whenever he hooked up with mcgregor he seemed to be letting his shots go he was I thought this was going to be the more offensive version, that the asking fight was in the, the background now. We could forget about the Chamberlain fight, and this was going to be the new 2.0 version, and he would have the holding, the clinching in his locker if he needed it. The Henry Akin won the octopus arms, but he sort of reverted to that. He seemed very negative, very defensive. He seemed like he was aware of the fairies in the corner. Sugar Hill was trying to give him instructions. He wasn't really looking at him. You had that flat fellow with the spot on his nose at ringside talking in a sort of faux American accent saying... Oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. I just thought it was boring and people just start walking out. They're not going to be able to want to watch that, really. So Eddie done himself a favour getting rid of him. Right, we've spent long enough talking about that. Um, what about Ramirez on ESPN, Matty? I'm assuming you saw that one. I was watching, I was only half watching it. There was so much over the weekend. I saw Ramirez coming out fast, nice crowd. They seemed to be enjoying themselves. He was getting the left hook off. And then Commie seemed to adjust a little bit, showed a few elements to his game. He was throwing the jab, landing a few right hands, and then Ramirez caught up with him. I'm not sure. I didn't watch the replay as to what he landed first to kind of hurt him, but it was definitely a quality body shot that finished him off in the end. Yeah, it was um, It was a good fight, and uh, the first few rounds, Ramirez came in there hot thinking that he was going to be able to just dispatch of Comey the way that uh, Lopez did, and he wasn't able to quite do that. Um, and, and I think he kind of burned himself up early on. And, and at that point, Comey was able to kind of stabilize himself. And, and he had some moments in there, man. He was landing some damn good right hands. He definitely won some rounds in there. And, and Ramirez was looking like he was fading. It was a little bit of a surprise when that happened. That Because, I mean, he, he landed a, a good shot and then an uppercut. 
that uh, was able to take uh, Comey off of his feet and then, you know, finish it off. He was following him around and, and it just obviously Comey was depleted and, and uh, Ramirez landed a good body shot and, and Comey was just done. He, uh, he, he got up right after the 10 count. Obviously it was just, yeah, I, you know, and I mean, respect to him. I think that was 10th or 11th round. It, it had gone, gone quite a bit. Um, so Comey obviously done at the top level. Um, they're talking about maybe Ramirez against Zapata again. I guess we can talk about that Zapata fight if we have to, since since they're kind of connected, Steve. That Zapata against Goyot fight was one of the most fucking awful things that I've ever been subjected to in my entire life. It was an incredibly small ring, but Zapata just had he had no bounce to him really. I mean, so I, I, you can't hold all of it against Goyot, I guess, because that was about as flat as I have ever seen Zapata look. Um, there was just something missing. There was no, you know, just jumping his step or anything like that. But Goyot. What a fucking cunt this guy is. I mean, Jesus Christ, fucking clown shoe central, this son of a bitch. Uh, it just does absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> just clowns around, raises his hands over his head like he's a fucking champion of the fucking world or some shit like that. I look at his record and I see that he's like knocked seven people out in his career and he's somehow beat fucking Kanzu 20 pounds and fucking 20 fights ago or 10 fights ago, whatever. His nickname's and hashtag gangster, Matty. Fucking Jesus Christ gangster fucking he ain't no gangster he's a fucking wankster i wish rob was here for that fucking he knows the fucking uh the reference there jesus christ man it was such a fucking awful thing to watch and i can't believe i kept thinking i should have just gone i didn't want to spoil it like going to boxing scene and seeing results or anything like that thinking oh maybe you know he probably knocked him out at some point but i should have just so i didn't watch the whole fucking thing because it was 10 rounds of absolute fucking bullshit and I can't believe that I wasted my life at it uh, doing that, let alone that was the end of my boxing viewing last night. I was doing this at 1.30 in the morning, Steve, after watching boxing since 6 p.m. I didn't watch it early. That's why I missed the Coley card. I actually went to the theater. Lovely place, 1776, with an all-female cast. Very enjoyable. Um, but... It, but nonetheless, I just absolutely so by like being on acid with him. We've gone from fucking Ramirez <laughs> to an Indian dancing but, around to the fucking theater. This is the way that my fucking day ended. But to finish off the connection with Zapata and Ramirez in there, Steve, it's just that uh, that it, it, I think Zapata just might be done. I think I think somewhere in that ninth, tenth round against Progre. He, he left it all there. He had a moment where he had a good round in there and he, he hurt Rube to the body. And I think that might have been the last of the good we saw in Zapata. He's been in a whole lot of wars. It wouldn't shock me that he just went over the hill. Yeah, he can still fucking screw around with the Goyots of the fucking world. Um, but even against this Ramirez, that against Comey, you could tell that he's not the same fighter that ran Josh Taylor close. Um, I don't want to pay to do that, you know, fight chumps in Mexico or hang it up, man, because I, I think he's done at the top level. I hate saying that because Tone is one of, you know, my favorite fighters the last 10 years. I mean, been such a, so many really good fights, good bang for your buck, you know, um, and that Baranchek fight, man. I mean, he has stamped his place in boxing lore with that one. Um, but Goyot, man, it's the total opposite end of the spectrum. What a shit fight. And please don't have the rematch 
uh, or, or maybe the first fight with the mirrors. I'm trying to remember if they even fought. They did fight each other. Well, Anyways. Ramirez fought Zapata, yeah? Yeah. And th- th- those guys, they pretty much all fought each other. Yeah. And Are they talking I, about them rematching? Is that yeah. Something? Yeah, because remember they were talking about that originally, and Ramirez said he didn't want that. That's he wanted... shit, man. I don't want to see that. Yeah. I don't – yeah. Especially with what – I mean, did you do you agree, Steve? I mean, Goyat's bullshit aside, Zapata just looked flat. Well, I think, yeah, that was because it was in some, like, a sports hall. I mean, the co- the, the camera was terrible. It was, like, losing focus and stuff. The two fellas on commentary were having a great time. It, it summed up an Oscar card. It was like Oscar on the Coke, really, the whole card. Just get Zapeda out there, keep him active. Is he with Golden Boy now? I mean, is he? Is it possible to make a fight back on top rank? I mean, that's a, something to be discussed as well. They obviously bought this Indian fellow out. He was a couple of weight classes above where he should be fighting. He had a beard. His nickname's Gangster. As you said, he was clowning around the whole fight. It was just to get Zapeda out and the rust off him, really. But I don't want to see that rematch with Ramirez. Last I heard, they were talking Ramirez against uh, Regis Progre or Barboza. Oh, that might have been Lopez, actually. I'm starting to get confused myself. Wasn't it Progre it... against Ramirez they were talking about? Yeah, I think it might be that, but there could be a chance that they mentioned Ramirez against Progre. Obviously, both top-ranked fighters and Tiafima Lopez uh, tied up in the uh, Josh Taylor fight. So that that all would make sense. Right. Um, it, it just, yeah, I, I, the second that I saw that that was even being fluttered around, I'm like, no, that that's wrong on multiple levels. And the one that comes to mind most is I just think Cepeda's done, Steve. I really do. Cepeda's done, Andy. I know you saw Ramirez against Kami. much more life. Are they going to get out to Kami, man? They're going to keep battering <laughs> this guy until so he flipping ends up as a cabbage. How about Kwan, man? Give this guy a break. <laughs> Oh mate, it was. Uh, I, th- I think. Well, I mean, he's no one now. That's 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 three fights now that he's no one. Yeah. I think he was it one one in his last five or six possibly. Um, can't be much left me after this. To be fair, I mean, obviously it was a busy fight. Um, Comey done his best as what he could. Now, I mean, he was coming forward. He was showing up cuts. But it seemed. I, th- I just felt Ramirez was 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 good. He was very. I thought he was strong. Certainly looked a uh, you know very good shape at least. Uh, laying good pressure to the body. Obviously, the left took the signature shot and that. We all know that. Um, he's just picking up the pace. I just I kind of felt in that as well that um, with the with the kind of front foot, Ramirez sort of been on the front foot kind of early, and that it was it was getting a bit kind of quiet run about the kind of eighth, probably the ninth. But fair play to Comey, man. I mean, he, he, he was pressing. He was coming forward during about the ninth and the tenth. I think it was early doors, and then. He was standing his ground, possibly he was just, um, I would say maybe in the ninth, I mean, he gave it a call me possibly. Um, Ramirez didn't kind of like work until kind of late in the round, he, he did get a couple of shots home, um, I don't think it was enough to kind of nick the round possibly. Then you got the tenth, where they were just both swinging in the pocket and that, you know, fair play to call me hanging his balls out there, but he's uh, he's doing early obviously in the, in the, in the 11th with a double left hook and then the right hand, I think it was, he's up. And uh, but Ramirez just kind of press hard on him with the kind of whipping shots, and finally he's kind of forced to take a knee. I think it was a body shot, forced to take a knee for a, a ten count. So yeah, it was it was a good action fight. Um, you know, valiant effort by Comey. Um, I think he's new at that stage, whereas uh, he's going to end up being that tough test for the young prospect coming through. Actually, that's the kind of that's the route he's heading on at this point. I think, in my opinion, or maybe a tune up for one of the titleists or you know title challenger. But um, just on Ramirez, and that, I think it's no time. I don't want... They were talking about a potential rematch with Pedraza. Fuck that shit. I want to see him fighting Progre next, by the way. That fight needs to happen. I think it was, it was definitely spoke about, but Ramirez potentially maybe pulled out of it, possibly. Um, I forget what the situation was at this point, but I want to see that fight. Um, Progre, I think, is the bona fide number one in the division. If Taylor 
does move up, I think Prograde would take over that spot at this point. Um, so I, um, Ramirez, Prograde next for me if possible. Yep, that would be good for me as well. I'd be happy to see that. Jim McDonald Boxing says 135 listeners, only 26 likes. Come on, for Christ's sake, lads. Some good lads on this podcast, on this panel. Hit the like button, why don't you? We'll throw it out again, Matty. If we get over 100 likes this week and all the weeks in April, the end by the end of April, if we've got a hun- over 100 likes every week, we'll do a call-in show. How about that, Matty? On a Friday evening, little bonus extra. They can call in and talk to us if they want. If we get over 100 likes from now until the end of April. Can't say fairer than that, Matthew. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'll even just sit there and let him tell me off. That's cool. There you go, boys. See? Hit the like button. Come on now. And if you're listening after the fact, after the fact, if you're out walking your dog, if you're having a shit, if you're at work, you're shagging the missus, whatever you do when you're listening to the pod, go and go, stop right now. Get off and go and hit the like button. And if we get over 100 likes from now until the end of April, we'll do a, we'll do a bonus show for you. Uh, before you took us down the looking glass, Matty, I can't remember if you said whether you watched the top rank undercard or not, did you? I was able to catch Sinesa Estrada on there uh, in her top rank uh, debut in a in a unification belt, uh, 105 pounds against uh, Tina Ruprecht, um, and and she showed why she is definitely one of the top 10 pound for pound fighters in women's boxing. She has all the tools. I think Andre and Tim were kind of playing company man and selling her, overselling her a little bit. But that said, I mean they've seen so many just vanilla uh, women's boxers that that when you're discussing someone like uh, Sinisa Estrada, that, that who is very dynamic, um, she does pop a lot compared to the competition. Um, it, she's, she's a tremendous fighter, um, and uh, we'll, we'll see where she goes next. Uh, Yacosta Valle also fought that night. Apparently, I need to watch that, but she won, and they're talking maybe unification between the two of those. Um, last I knew, Yacosta was with Marv Nation, so let's see if they can make that work. Um, but, uh, but yes, Nisa is fantastic, and if she can get through that and then uh, get a fight against Jessica Neri, who uh, who who took belts off of uh, off of Kim Clavel in Canada earlier this year? Um, I, I think if she's really looking on on getting some fights, but that might actually be competitive, where there's some belts and some meaning, that would be the one-two punch I'd give for Sinesa. Um, but she really did put in a good performance against the uh, the undefeated German uh, who, who who has heart, uh, you know, and is definitely a a good enough uh, fighter who would beat you know ninety nine percent of the women at the weight. Uh, but Sinisa. I mean, she's just in that absolute upper echelon, and I, I think it's going to take something up the scales um, for her to to really be taken to the, to the brink of maybe losing a fight. She's she's going to need someone with the skill and size uh, if they're going to manage her. Well said, Matty. Sounds like the ESPN undercard was pretty decent. Shout out to Ronnie Hussein. My favourite Hussein since Saddam left the scene. He said, you got my like, lads. We've always got the like from Ronnie. We've always got our back. May Ronnie meet a better end than Saddam ever did. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. He's a good lad. He's Ronnie. For Christ's sake, get them likes up for him, if nothing else, out there. Andrew Thicket says I'm hauling myself out. Absolutely, Andrew. Fucking right I am. Join us over at patreon.com forward slash boxingasylum. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, what else did we have over the weekend? Uh, Lyndon Arthur, Andy. I was looking forward to him fighting that Argentinian. Looked like he was up for it. You know, taking photos outside uh, Bolton Stadium. It's the Reebok Stadium when I was there about 20 years ago. Anyway, he failed a medical. Boris Crichton, a black fella from Aberdeen, jumped in. This was all getting a bit bizarre on Friday night. Fought Lyndon Arthur over 10 rounds, was it? 12 rounds? I didn't see any other rounds, but apparently you suffered, so we didn't have to. 
Uh, well, I suffered a wee bit of it, to be fair, mate. It was one of the moments where I kind of like, kind of like lulled in it and my, and it my phone and the, deca- the deepest, dark, and worst parts of Twitter and that. But uh, it was, it's just that first style where he just kind of like, he pops that jab and he's very, you're talking about economical, man. Jesus Christ, if he was any more laid back, he'd be vertical, man. Uh, just waiting for him to kind of cut loose on the right hand, you know, so... Fair play to Crichton, he's took the fight in, well, I, I don't know what, what the notice was again, was it just like 24 hours or something? Uh, doing late in the, I think it was the last round in that as well, you know, so he done well to kind of survive. Um, it was, it was, it was just one of the type of performances, mate, that you can expect sometimes. Maybe it was just a, one of the type of fights where it's just kind of late change the opponent. Maybe it was motivation. I don't know what it was at the end of the day, but I thought Crichton was, he wasn't disgraced at least, you know. Yeah. Gave, you gave can't really a... do wrong coming in at that short notice. You can only elevate your, you know, ah, your, your I mean, standing. Was... If you get knocked out, people are expecting that anyway. He tried to be competitive. He was yeah. tough, you know, whatever the notice was again at this point. He did land his shots, a few shots here and there. Um, so, you know, I dare say, all of that, at least I think maybe, you know, Crichton's stock certainly rises at the end of the day, but you're talking like London Arthur, world-ranked, what is he, top three, top four? Mm. I was expecting a bit better, to be fair. But obviously, again, late change, you just don't know how that throws things off and that as well. Absolutely well said. Uh, Wasserman are returning next weekend, we'll talk about that shortly. It's Harlem Eubank, don't know why they got rid of Fat Mick, but he was ringside at the Sky Show last night, actually, with his son, Mick Jr. It looks all right, Mick, like he'd lost a bit of weight. Um, right, what have we got? Let's just tidy things up before we move on to the. I think we've got a question from Danny Younger. Then there's the a lot of shit going on, man, all over the yeah, world. Crazy I'm looking shit. over here. What about the Canadian card? Then we'll get to that next, Matty, on, on Thursday evening. I love a little Canadian card, actually. I didn't see any of the undercut. Well, I tell a lie, I saw Simon Keane against Eric Molina. They're still <laughs> rumbling out Eric Molina. Simon Keane throws a worse right hand than Dillian White. I didn't think that was possible, man. He looked absolutely shocking him. But at least it was made up for in the main event. When I saw you talking about it the next morning, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> I knew that M. Billy had won the fight. But uh, it wasn't as plain sailing as I thought, especially those cars, 99, 91, 98, 92. They <laughs> might have been technically correct, but I don't think, Matty, they told the story of the fight because Gongora was tough. He was elusive. He was a big puncher. He, he gave M. Billy a lot of trouble. No, oh, holy shit, man. That was a great fight where both so guys landed good. shots. Mm. Um, Gongora, man, I mean, that, that dude has a beard on him and, and he might not he might not be shot. Uh he, his reflexes might not be what they were, but he is not shot like like I might have thought of. Just a potentially bad style matchup against Lerone Richards in his uh, outing prior. Um, but but I tell you what, man, and Billy was landing absolute bombs on him and and it, it's uh Almost ended up getting stopped towards the the tenth uh, end of the tenth round, but it was just a tremendous action back and forth. But the eighth round, Steve, I got to tell you, that needs to be in everyone's notes if if you're looking for candidates potentially for round of the year. They just went back and forth. Both guys hurt during that round. Huge shots, and it, it's it's one of those fights that's hard to put into words because yeah, and Billy was landing the, every was definitely winning the rounds. Uh, but in, in, uh, it was a deserved winner, but it's just the fact that what they ate off of each other when they did land was just incredible. I mean, there was just hardly any touch shots in that fight. It was just almost entirely, uh, the biggest blows that they can muster at all times. So uh, put this fight on your list to watch. And in round eight, um, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but but that's going to be uh, on my list of uh, reviewable rounds for round of the year, come end of year. 
Andy, I'm not sure how much you saw of this card, but Gongora, I... we saw him against Richards before, against Akmadov. That was his big moment. Feel free to riff off the back of this one. And no, then if, Matt, if Matty wants to go into the Pro Box card as well, go ahead, boys. No problem. I I, I thought, obviously, when Matty jumped in there with the, the Facebook comment on the Facebook Messenger, I said, well, I'll definitely get that watched. It was very interesting fight, very good fight. Obviously, agree with what Matty said there, get anybody who's seen it, get it watched. Um, Kongora, I mean, that chin is just, it's just, it was absolutely unbelievable the shots he was taking. As you say, Matty, that, that, that round eight, I got a note here saying it's just taking turns to punch slabs of meat off each other. Kongura gave some back with massive uppercuts and that as well. Fair play to him, he's fucking fighting to the, to the absolute bitter end of that. But it's, he was still competitive going in that round 10, showing shots. But I just think the fatigue was just too much in the end because obviously he took a, he took a, a fair fair bit of punishment in that as well. I think and Billy that actually obviously kind of targeted the body in that as well. He throws obviously straight shots, but some of those those wild winging hooks that he was throwing in that as well. Some of them were, those were landing and those were those were telling in the end because obviously they were working on the body and then getting good at kind of slow down a little bit in that as well. Um, round six in that as well, as I says, I've got the yeah, Kangora at chin. That's that's when I kind of knew that if he's not going to make it as an as a a class fighter, potential world champion, that man, that could be because of that. Because the fucking chin, the resistance that he showed, where was he's taking those head and body shots, man? That round six, especially round six, coupled with round eight, made it a very, very special fight for me, actually. Would they maybe wouldn't they say it was making a fight of the year contender stuff? But it was, it was solid, it was brutal, absolute brutal. But uh, and Billy, man, that's gonna take some shifting. That is one strong motherfucker, by the way. That is going to take some moving. Um, chin solid as well. Built like a tank. Just keeps coming and keeps yeah, throwing that, shots. Yeah, those uppercuts, man. I mean, yeah. I know he was hurt off, off of Gongor, but the fact that he Round ate three, like was, four or yeah. five of them in a row, it's like, Jesus, fuck, man. Brutal man. I think it was round three. I think he was uh, Miller was like applying like massive pressure, forcing Kangura on the back foot. And then as I say, he's obviously he's looking for the body shots now. And then um you just kind of felt that maybe Kangura wasn't like throwing enough shots now. It was it's like he, he likes to fight at a pace, he likes to kind of fight at a steady pace as such. If you're putting pressure on him, he struggles with it. Um he has got decent power, but it's just um yeah, but just it's like he can do it off the back foot. I think he's going to plant himself properly to throw, uh, throw those heavy shots. So I think it was round three, maybe caught in Billy with, with a heavy right hand, possibly. Um, other than that, he says he was obviously landing these heavy shots, but he wasn't really having the same effect, I don't think, on Billy as the fight wore on, as what Billy was having on him. So obviously, fatigue, and I thought Billy was, was certainly stronger than the stretch, whereas you could definitely see the fatigue and can go around that as well. So again, was he fully trained? Was it maybe coming down for altitude? Because obviously stays in Ecuador. I don't know, but um, I've always liked the guy. To be fair, but you kind of worry about that now, actually, because that was that was a heavy fight, and you just think, you know, one too many fights like that at this time in his career when he's like early thirties, when it's you know he's trying to get some good paydays again. He's only got one or two fights, and if he if he keeps fighting like that, or if he's in those type of fights, at least you know. So that, I was I, right after the fight in the Nutters group. I was saying that they need to take Gungor to the hospital just just for observation. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was a, a vicious vicious beating he took, but it's it was one of those things where he just he did just enough at moments 
where the referee couldn't find the right moment to step in and, and call it a day, right? It, he, he just did enough at the right times that, that it, it took a stoppage off the table. And, and that's oftentimes the worst thing a fighter can do to themselves. Is, uh, but if that was God. a 12, he was getting stopped, wasn't he? He was holding on by a Nats cock at the end. Yeah, and but I'll tell you what. I mean, obviously, um, it's in Billy moving forward, Steve. Mm. Um, he, um, uh, massive. yeah, he, you know, I don't know how the promotional things are going to work and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the fight that I see in my head, kind of where they're both at in their careers, I would like to see uh, in Billy fight. Uh, God damn it, I just uh, forgot his name. Uh, or David Morrell. Uh, I, I think that in Billy against David Morrell. That's a real fight right there. It and, would be as long as it lasts. Morella would stop him, though. I think. I, I think you might be very well right, but he's going to have to work goddamn hard to do That's it. True, he's going to yeah, have to walk through fire along yeah. the way. Well, but and Bill against Benavidez, obviously, we know it's not going to happen at this point. But it would be an interesting one. Clash of styles. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that, that Benavidez would fuck around with a guy like him, Billy, until he gets his, his Canelo shot. He's 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 got laser sights on that. And I think Canelo has no. one more after Ryder, and then his DAZN deal is up, so that would open up well, possibilities I'm gonna say, for next so, year. So Benavidez has got to stay busy, man. He's, you know, as I say, Canelo's still to fight, and he's going to fight twice this year, for what I understand, right? And it's not going to be Benavidez that's going to be one of them. So he's going to need to fight again at least this, once this year. And then kind of like taper into the Canelo fight if, oh. if it's a chance to get made it for you know, next year. If there's any fight that they might give him along the way, and you might think, oh, I don't know if they do that because he could end up looking bad. I don't think he's he's too worried about it. I think Benavidez against Demetrius Andrade in an 18-foot ring could very well happen this year. It ain't going to be no 22-foot ring like last night. Trust me. Um. Friday night, quick shout out to Jermaine Brown, went over to Italy, did his best, lost to Ivan Zuko. It was a fair result, actually. I thought Zuko looked pretty good. Usually they get jobbed out there, but Brown didn't do enough to win. I think he was happy enough at the end. Have you spoken about the Pro Box card, Matty? I didn't watch this, actually. No, man, I didn't. I actually, I pulled it, uh, I pulled up the uh, the card to see uh, what was on there by the names. Um, it was headlined by Mohamed Samaro against Angel Vasquez Lupercero. Uh, Lupicero is, uh, was coming in undefeated, uh, Sumaro with one defeat. But this is the second undefeated fighter that he's been able to take out on a, show, on, uh, a uh, pro box card. And he, man, he just, he had just too much firepower. And it was one of those fights that went a little too long, probably, Steve. But again, where the referee probably couldn't find the right moment to stop it. But it was uh, it, it was a good fight, uh, you know. Well, it lasted definitely heavily, um, leaning towards Samaro, who moves forward at thirteen and one off of two victories over undefeated fighters um, in this pro box uh, system, where obviously they're doing some good stuff. And if you're going to throw something on your watch list um, from from this card, I'm going to recommend that uh, our listeners uh, just check out a six round affair. Uh, which went to majority decision between DeMontes Duncan and Axel Melendez Salgado. Absolute fucking good war, this one. Six rounds, worth the watch. Um, the, these guys went uh, definitely uh, went into the trenches, uh, and I Salgado, deserving win, winner. But again, how the hell can anyone's stock go down uh, in, a, in fights like these? So I do recommend not only you, Steve, but anyone out there. Uh, and, and you can catch all of these on YouTube. They got advertisements on the free uh, stuff on YouTube. Or you can just join for a few bucks a month as well. 
Thank you, Matty, for the recommendation. Uh, last but by no means least, Andy, uh, the BT card. Don't be expecting a long breakdown of this, everybody yeah. listening at home, because I'm starting to lose the will to live. By this point, I'm sure Andy is as well. Over <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the week Rob and Oz aren't here. They're the ones that have the chance to win oh, the money. Bit, bit and we're tools, fucking just suffering a, here through one of the bit biggest You feel like fucking Alex in that scene in Clockwork Orange where he's fucking just with his eyes fucking being held open, being forced to watch movies. You're like, that was me at 1.30. I'm like, I fucking hate you, go out. Why am I doing this? <laughs> We're trying, we're trying. Ozzy well, and Rob are both uh, are both on holiday. Yeah, so we had uh, Andrew Kane, Iron Up Baluta, which sounded like it was a fight of the card. I didn't actually yeah, see that was... one. I saw bits of Cunningham against Gonzalez, Andy. I saw the first four rounds of Heaney flatly, and then I just had to go to bed because I had enough by that point. Yeah, I was just saying, mate, um, that's, I'm repeating myself here, but I was flipping back and forth between the sky, that card, and there was something else and I was kind of like keeping an eye on as well. This card went on for fucking ages, man. As I say, I, I thought Kane Baluta was like the you know, the main event, and then I realised there was still three fights to come. I was like, fucking hell. I think it was uh, Itume, Haney, and Cunningham. At this point, mate, I was the same as you. I said, time for bed, man. So, anyway, I'll just break down Andrew Kane against Baluta. What a fight that was, man. Kane come out first round, man. He was not fucking around. Put Baluta on his arse. Almost put him Pluto, actually. Banging shots, you know really using that aggressive style and that I was like he's gonna get him out of here very early and then gradually kind of the gas I would say maybe kind of slightly petered out fair play to below man he hung his balls out there time and time and time again uh, I'll recommend to Matty this fight actually I don't think Matty's seen this one so um, I think uh, Ozzy mentioned it last week as well this fight to him so get it watched Matty very very good fight um right on says, Latter half it, but is really digging in. He is just non stop throwing punches. He's got Kane. I don't know if it was a broken nose, but certainly it was continuously bleeding, uh, leaking blood. And then I think it was the ninth or the tenth, he got caught with a right hand, uh, Andy Kane, and got dropped right into the ropes. Very heavy shot, actually. You can see the kind of effect on him. And then obviously, Billy Balutis just tried to kind of jump on top, make the best of it, and that. And to me, at least, um, it was. It was certainly bringing it possible about the eighth round. I think it was, it was very tight in the cards by this point. I think um, 93, 94, maybe 90, you know, it was probably you know, 30 Baluta, um, like 95, 92, maybe. But the 96, uh, 91 card to Andrew Kane was uh, was quite wide the other way in that. So split the split decision, but what a fight. Absolutely great fight. Both guys dropped. Um, so Baluti was dropped twice first round um, so if you've not seen it guys, get rid and get it watched um, definitely an upset don't know if it'll be a rematch or anything like in the, in the interim in anyway at least but um, the belt's yeah, changing hands here so I don't know if Baluti would probably get another opportunity off the back it with a world title fight it was for a WBC title of some sort so he's come back to, be, to the UK finally got on the, the win after Liam Davis uh, lost and that as well so fair play to him Says he hung himself out to dry there actually and, and fucking pulled it out of the fire in the end after after a bad opening. Because he's the first the first three rounds, man, you're thinking this he's just he can't hold the power of this cane and he's he's hyper aggressive this guy, man. He's a fucking pit bull. And uh, gradually just kind of petered out the gas slightly went through him as I says, and then the uh, he's just kinda of hung in the fight and gradually pulled it out of the fire. So fair play to him. 
Andy, you briefly mentioned the Moses Itoma with his uh, first round knockout over Ramon Ibarra. This is the second time he's blasted someone away there. Just quickly, Danny Young has mm-hmm. uh, made his feelings known on this. He says, seriously, there are levels for Itoma. These opponents are no good for him. Who do you think he's next? He's throwing out names like Razvan Kajanu or uh, even Camille Sokolowski. Even if it's not those guys, it's got to be a step up from these puddings they're putting him in with. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the thing is, is his age and that as well. What is he's only 18, 19 at this point. Mm. So there's, there is absolutely no rush with him. Because, as I say, I don't know if the rules still exist, but he can't fight for a British title until he's, is it 21, Steve? I don't oh, know it used I, to be. I write enough. I never thought about that. That's a good point, you know. And then I don't know if that also includes area and, you know, English titles, that type of thing. Maybe not. Somebody need to ask that question, actually. He's due to fight on the um, uh, next month, actually. He's on the, what card is that again? Oh, the Zhang uh, Joyce card? That's the one. Nah, he's on the yeah. Copper Box card. So, uh, look, there's absolutely no rush with him, actually. 18, he's, he's fucking still grown, man. He's only 18 year old at yeah. the end of the day. Um, again, if, uh, obviously, he's, he's got this thing in his head that he wants to try and beat Tyson's record. What was Tyson, 20-year-old, when he won the title? Mm. <sighs> he's going to have to be fighting at least, how many times this year? 10, 15 times? Just keep him active, I think's the main thing. Aye, avoid injuries... But again, I, I just don't know how you step up in class now. I mean, what do you do? You just feed them to like 10 bums, you know, for, for the next 10 fights now, over four, six, eight rounders, then step up to title class around about the 10 round mark. But again, you need to ask the question can they fight for titles at 18? I don't know what that, what that situation is at this point. Yeah, there's no rush, but I think it's slightly better than these guys. Someone who's going to take him into the second round, maybe. Test them, check the chin. I mean, obviously, what was his, his brother? Remember, was it the. Carol, yeah. Aye, on his debut, and that man, he got fucking touched up that, that night as well, didn't he? Yeah. Something like that, really. You know, I, obviously different weight classes, but a guy like the, the, the who his brother fought, obviously a guy who was going to, you know, give a bit back, test him, drop him, possibly, and that to see, just to check his guts, really. But um, he, he seems to be, he seems to have the power, mate. I mean, I think it was the World Youths, maybe the European Youth Championships. He was knocking out everybody, and it's very unheard of in the amateur uh, amateur scenes. Like, even the super heavyweight or heavyweight, but we see comparing it, that these guys are actually knocking guys out, even the, even the, in that weight class and amateurs. Not so. I just thought it was a bit weird them turning over pros so quick. I thought he would have been a stick on for a Olympic medal, but obviously with the situation in Paris Games and that as well, that they might not even be, you know, taking part in it. Yeah, bring back some of the old uh, UK. Journeyman heavyweights from back in the day, Howard Daly or Paul Bonson, maybe someone like that to take him a few rounds would be would be ideal, I think. Um, I'm going to can this till next week when Rob and Ozzy are back. Obviously, the Eddie Hearn, Simon Jordan interview that was going on during the week. Many of us watched it. I had opinions at the time. I've forgotten most of them now. <laughs> I feel like it's been <laughs> half an hour by the weekend. That it just went on and on and on about the Quinn At the time, I thought it was quite. It was, it was interesting enough to a point. I got I got fed up and turned it off when they started talking about other things. But I was thinking about talking it tonight, thinking Ozzy and Rob were going to be on. But to be honest, I, I'm glad because I've forgotten half. Of it I, well, all I can remember that, that, that Simon. Jordan started like Tommy Hearns against Marvin Hagler. Came out, <laughs> came out far too soon. Uh, just shot his bolt a wee bit, and then obviously I've got a question mark. Maybe I need to call you, Cad, and maybe Vada about this. That, but did you see that wee that wee glass that he was drinking from Simon Jordan? I don't know if it was a PED. He kind of get the senses going again, or whatever it was. So, um, well, I was choosing choir in that one, and it's Simon Jordan there. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack, obviously, and that Eddie's still hanging on to that Billy Joe Saunders. Apparently, that was what was the unique case, I think he said it was. It's not, it's not yeah. at all related to it, man. Totally different situation. Each case could be judged on its own merits. Um, so, I, you'd be better waiting until the guys are back and we can have a broader discussion about it. Yeah, good point. Maybe go back and watch it again so I can remember. But that was Eddie versus Simon Jordan. It was interesting. I, I enjoyed it at the time. A quick cursory mention for a couple of shows next weekend. We're not going to go into these in too much depth, but we'll mention them just in case they happen to be uh, good fights. Uh, Harlem Eubank, as I mentioned earlier, is fighting on the 31st of March on Channel 5 against Christian Urzqueta. Harry Scarf is on the undercard against Jordan Dujon. And Nick Parker against Michael Webster. Abbas Burrow, he's German-based, I think, Andy. Mm-hmm. Is he, is he a, no, he's not a Cuban, is he? Well, no, no, he? he's a German, mate. I've, I've seen German. a... I've seen a fair bit of him. He obviously had that L against Kolkai. Um, Kolkai, yeah. During the lockdown period, he, I think he was with Adam Booth for a fair bit. Actually, I think that's the reason why he's maybe over here fighting. Um, he's, yeah, he's fought a, on he, the Josh Taylor Regis program. Uh, card, right, yeah. He's and he, he beat that Jay Spencer <clears throat> in one round as well. Um, but uh, he's, he's, he's a he's a decent boxer. Just not got the power. Um, I've seen enough of him to suggest that look, he's got ability to pick up a belt under the favourable circumstances, but just no got that, that power as well. So it could get himself into a point whereas if he's in a tight fight, he could end up losing a you know a, a, a close decision because he's just not got that power to kind of change a round or a fight for himself in that A. So that's an eight eight rounder. Even at this point he's twenty he's twenty eight or something like that now and that he's he's another one that's no really kind of progressed he's forward the after push that. On. Losing to Kolkai is no shame really. Kolkai's a decent fighter. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there's Kolkai is a decent fighter, but you know, for for Baroro who was coming out the amateurs and that as as a kind of touty prospect, if you if he's gonna be, you know, going up levels and that he needs to be beating Kolkai. Um who incidentally actually hasn't really stepped up in class since uh, since he beat him either, it'd be fair. He's mm-hmm. been kind of fighting Italians and that type of thing, and that as well. I mean, he's not really fought anybody since it was a Devonchenko fight, maybe Yami Savi, possibly. Um, yeah, and, um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Saturday, the 1st of April, uh, Australia Fox Floyd Masson against Fabio Turchi, IBO cruiserweight title. Turchi, you might remember getting stopped uh, by a body shot against Richard Riakpour, also lost to Tommy McCarthy. Be interesting to see how Masson steps up in that one. Masson was in a fucking really good fight a couple yeah, of years Yeah, Michael ago. Flanagan. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark Flanagan, sorry. Yeah. Mark Flanagan, sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's why I knew I knew the name. I couldn't remember who he was fighting against, but he, he always brings the value. You know, Steve, I, I was looking at uh, what was going on on Fight TV this, uh, this week out of curiosity. I think all that one will be available for me to watch. Obviously, I won't be waking up at 3 in the morning to do it. Um, but uh, those that have a Fight TV subscription, that is on there. And you'll get to watch crazy shit like the bare knuckle fight that I watched on Saturday night, too, or Friday night. And, yeah, even the, even the ref took a fighter to the canvas. It was intense. <laughs> Someone needs to take your remote control off you, Matty, and stick it away somewhere. <laughs> Dude, I, I someone asked me in the Nutters group, Steve, is there anything on tonight? So I explored <laughs> my options, and I landed on a, a bare-knuckle championship fight, which in one of the most incredible fucking shit shows I've ever seen in my life. Like, there was an overhead press slam resulting in two points being deducted, and uh, they're knocked down. The referee took down a fighter trying to get him out of a fucking clinch, um, and, and then it was just all over because the guy broke his hand. It was just fucking nuts. Yeah, Matty doing the Lord's work. 
watching the fights on a Friday evening, hitting the like button as well. Hopefully you've done that too. Those likes up everybody if you can and subscribe if you want to hear a little bit more of the nutters. Okay, what should we go on to next? That's the question, isn't it? USA, ESPN Plus, we'll go to that one over in Oklahoma. Bob Aaron for top rank, Andy. Looking down the undercar, there's a lot of names. There's name soup, can't recognise half of them. Uh, Joe Gonzalez, I recognise him going in against Enrique Vivas. Not really too much to get excited about, but the world title fight in the main event is certainly something to get up for. Isaac Dogbay, we know all about him, WBO World Featherweight Champion. In the past, this is the vacant title up against Rubezi Ramirez. We got off to a bit of a rocky start. We all know he was a quality amateur back in the day. What are you expecting from this one, Andy? I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious to think what you think. Um, I think this is tailor made for Ramirez, to be fair, mate. I would think he might do it by late stoppage. Um, obviously, he's picked up a wee bit. He's become a wee bit of a detestable ball bag, to be fair. And that. Yeah. A bit like Chris Colbert there like last night as well, and Michael Gomez Jr., but... You know, what he does is it's effective. He's he's aggressive, good power. I just think Dog Bay showed in the, in the last few fights, there's, you know, the wear and tear, the tight fights, you know, the razor close fights, the decisions, that type of thing. I just think you've got a guy who's definitely on the back end of his career, been in wars, mileage on the clock, body maybe breaking apart a little bit in that as well. Ramirez, who's just maybe at this point in his career, I would say, even though his amateur background experience, you know, what is it, over well over 100 amateur fights, maybe close to 200 possibly. Maybe at his peak at this point, um, I'll, I'll fancy him strongly and I think he'll maybe do it late. I'll go for maybe a 10th or 11th round stoppage. Um, I think he'll get, he'll probably corner dog bay, maybe work his body, head and body, I should say. Um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see dog bay actually even quit possibly in that as well. Remember that time, who was it, Rod, was it Rodriguez fight? Yeah. He's feeling really sorry for himself. I think it made him the rematch. He's feeling really sorry for himself. You know, his, his dad was imploring him to go forward. I just, I just think he yeah, had enough. He's a danger, really. his dad. He wants to get yeah. him out of the corner. I don't, don't know if he's still there, actually, but if he is, then it's a bit of danger because if he is uh, under 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 fire, it's going to be a gut, a gut check of him. Plus, it's his last opportunity, I would say, well, as, as, as sorts. This is for the vacant belt. Even 28, you know, he's been around for ages, actually. I mean, what was that fight he had against he had the Gana? It was fucking rocking. Oh, yeah, was, that was against Juarez. That was about was five, Juarez. years ago now. Ah, it? it was live on Facebook, I remember. It was fucking football on top of the roofs and then trees watching the fight, man. It was fucking brilliant. What an atmosphere. That was great. <laughs> you put him in against Richard Comey. The two of them can beat Lumsay to each other on ESPN a, in a 10-rounder. I've just checked it. It was a Bakum Boxing Arena, actually. So that's where, like, say... Um, Zuma Nelson and that all trained and all the great fighters like Quartet and that all came out of that area, I'm sure, eh? Mm. Um, so, I look, he's he's been solid. And obviously, that as well, he's had, um, I think he came to the UK and did his education and that as well before he actually took up boxing, you know, full-time. So, um, maybe it's just one more payday for him when he gets out and he, gets, he falls back on his studies or his qualifications and goes back to work or whatever and that. But uh, at this point, Ramirez, I think he's coming into his own at this point and I expect him strongly to win this fight. If it's if it's no knockout, then I think it's a wide point decision for Ramirez. Yeah, I agree. The knockout would be the statement. I think they've dealt with him well, Matty. They've match-made him well since that Gonzalez fight. He lost on his debut. He got the rematch win. Then they put him in against Felix Caraballo, who's not great, but he's fought a few decent names. A little bit of a sink or swim against Orlando Gonzalez, both unbeaten, got through that, beat the shit out of my pal Eric Donovan. 
Then Nova again, that step up. A lot of people fancied Nova for that one. De- decent looked, win there. You know, he looked fantastic yeah. when I thought he looked excellent that night. And then against that Romero in his last fight, eventually got rid of him. Romero is very difficult to look good against. Even Isak Cruz struggled against him. He's just a, a literal runner. And he eventually got the stoppage in the end, which looks good on the record. And they've just timed it perfectly now to come back into this dog bay fight. He's at his peak, 29 years of age. He's got the style nailed down. Plus he has the skill, the speed, the accuracy from the amateur days. I think he's going to be a real hand full and I'm looking like Andy maybe a late stoppage here. Robisi Ramirez is going to lose. And do you want to know why, Steve? Go on then. Because you've bet on it. Because Tim Zhu and David Benavides have already won. And all I need is Robisi Ramirez <laughs> to win for my three-leg parlay <laughs> to come in. So obviously Robisi Ramirez is going to lose. I don't know how and I don't know why, but that would seem to be the way it's going to go. If there's no karmic force working against me in the universe, what I would say, Steve, is that you could argue that Dog Bay has lost his last two fights or had a, a couple of draws his last two fights. Um, I, I, I thought uh, I thought Joe Gonzalez beat him. Um, and just the way his defense is and, and the way he is willing there to kind of stick his head out static against the ropes. Steve, what I really see happening in this fight, um, if uh, there's nothing fighting against me in the universe, is for BC Ramirez finding a, a right hook around the guard of Isaac Dog Bay and using that to finish his night, if not maybe catching him with an uppercut when he does his little lean-in move. Um, Ramirez, very accurate, very good timing. Uh, so there, I, I see a couple of good ways that he could take advantage of those moments when Dog Bay chooses to get static um, and look for a countering opportunity. Um, so, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, if I can, uh, history would show though that somehow, some way, Ramirez is going to lose. <laughs> I'm looking forward to. Like a bit of Ramirez myself, and Dog Bay always brings the power. Tell us about the tattoos, says Callum B. Uh, Anthony Manzano, hashtag mob, says, Hi, Boxing Asylum. I just subscribed to the channel. Thank you very much. Straight to the point, Anthony. That's what we like to see. If you want to join him, go over and hit the like, subscribe, etc., etc. Uh, Matty, there's a bit of weirdness going on with the Prediction League uh, this week. Is this, a, is this a, a good a time as any for you to jump in and tell us who we need to be predicting on? Well, yeah, so there's going to be two fights here, and I guess it's just the three of us. We might as well get it out of the way here. I had Oz and Rob send me their picks, um, and Oz had a perfect week this last week, which brought him to a tie with Rob, both at 44 points. Uh, My concern is that, God, what if they send me the same picks? I'd have to think of some dumb tiebreaker or something. Uh, But thankfully, they didn't. Um, For one of your picks, uh, we're going to start with a Southern Area title fight. Uh, I I dug deep for this one, gentlemen. Uh, Fucking uh, got fucking Constantine Ursu. Uh, I think he's Moldovan. And he uh, immigrated to your fine nation uh, some years ago. And uh, he's going to be going against Matthew King. Uh, one defeat, uh, and that was in his debut fight. Neither of them with much firepower. Uh, both of them only have one uh, stoppage to their credit. Uh, Mr. Kelly went Ursu points, and so did uh, Mr. Smith. And uh, Steve, uh, yeah. why, why don't we go in descending order from uh, who's away from the top here? Uh, you're next closest to him, so uh, theoretically theoretically steve well actually no because never mind because they chose differently on joshua you're kind of in a hell in just kind of where you are 
Um, but uh, who would you take between Ursu and King? Think the native born might get the lean? He might do, Matty. Just before we go into that, I'm going to go on a little sidetrack, as I tend to do. I noticed this fight was in Plymouth, not quite the hotbed of boxing. It's down the south of England, in case you're wondering. Isn't it it weird that the Pilgrims left Plymouth and landed in Plymouth? (laughs) I always found that strange. (laughs) It is. It is a bit of a coincidence, but I remember a fighter from about, oh gosh, it must have been about 15 years ago now, called Scott Dynamite Dan. He was from Plymouth, and he used to sell out um, the pavilions, he fought against uh, Howard Eastman at some point. I think Howard Eastman stopped him. It was around the Mick Hennessy on BBC era. This was when Frotch was on the way up. He would have appeared on some of the undercards before Tyson Fury. Uh, Damon Haig and Matthew Thurwell. I'm going back in time now. Uh, anyway, Scott Dan fought against Steve Bendel. Uh, I think he beat Wayne Elcock as well. British title level, but a really exciting fighter. Oh, he fought a Canadian called Larry Sharp as well. So that took me back to those Plymouth days on the BBC. I know Des will probably remember that if, he, if he's listening in later. Anyway, back to the uh, point in hand, Mate. I am going to go for Matthew King. And the reason why I'm going for this, I think he's a hometown fighter. He's from Southampton, which is on down the coast. His nickname is Cobra. So he's going for the sort of Carl Frotcher thing there. They fought uh, between them quite a few guys with no wins. And they've only got one knockout each. So there's not going to be a, a power punching finish here. But the reason I'm going for King is um, quite simple. He has someone on his record that I I recognise, where, whereas the other fella has nobody <laughs> on his record that I recognise. He fought Edward Donovan on his, on his debut in the Copper Box and lost on points. And I remember actually doing... Um, a press release for, I think it was Black Box, uh, Dean White's crowd for the Tolworth Recreation Centre. So I had to look into Matthew King a little bit at the time. So I am familiar with him. So for familiarity reasons of him and a former opponent, Matty, I am going for King on points. All right. All right. And I am at 31 points. Uh, Only uh, 13 behind. It's been a rough time, Steve. It's been a rough time. I'm going to go with you. I'm taking the local boy more so because fuck Rob or fuck Oz for taking my money. Andy. Well, I don't know if any of you checked, but uh, Constantine Urso is actually staying in Plymouth, actually, and he's fought at the Guildhall a couple of times. Yeah, but I know how you guys are towards immigrants the last fucking 10 years, so. I don't know, mate. Uh, but I'm going to go Urso by points i think oh he's going with the undefeated moldovan yeah oh, so he's actually technically the local man then andy really he's the hometown exactly. fighter so I'm, just, I'm just looking through his four at this place this will be his fourth fight in the guild hall actually matthew king hasn't even fought in plymouth before he's fought all his fights in well bournemouth south sea whatever the fuck he's a road is. warrior you wonder if it's kind of like ray beltran where he kind of has to keep winning to keep his immigration status even though he gets sent to cornwall <laughs> yeah. i'm just i'm just looking at some of these the some of these fucking opponents of the the, the moldovans fight josh cook zero twenty and one fons alexander he fought seven seven wins 138 losses one draw <laughs> Just, just the 138 losses. 100. Well, he's not. He's up, he's up to 141 now, actually, since that fight happened. Oh, right. So eight wins, 141 defeats, one draw. Uh, um, he's got a couple of fights coming up shortly. Actually, one might be on. That's the matter. A good win show, actually. It's okay. Bye. Slim pickings this week, Matthew. Who's the other fight you've got for us? 
Well, that's going to be related to the Joshua card. So why don't you go ahead, Steve, and, and take us through that, and, and we'll, we'll wrap because once we get to Joshua, we, we can discuss that and see if everyone's going the way I thought they were going. So, Okie doke, we will do. We'll go for the undercard first of all. If there's anything that stands out to you, Andy, you can let me know. So Peter Kadiru has found his way onto yeah. the card. Uh, John Hedges is on there as well. An Aussie fight, if everyone saw one. Jordan Flynn against Kane Baker. Campbell, hands of foam, Hatton is going in against Lewis Fielding. Eight-rounder, isn't it? In an eight-rounder, he's stepping up in class. There's some decent fights. It's not the worst card I've seen in the <laughs> world. Tight. That pressure is going to start to show finally, Steve. <laughs> oh, finally, it's just yeah. a matter of just lengthening the rounds. He's going to wear him Campbell down. Hatton. <laughs> Campbell, <laughs> Campbell Hatton, by the way, he's fucking hands of foam. <laughs> he's going to wear him down as best he can. But um, the, the fight's closer to the top. Fabio Wardley going against Michael Polite Coffey. That's not too bad. We know Coffey. We've seen him in the past against Johnny Rice. We know what he is. We know what he isn't. River Wilson Bent is kind of a staple of those uh, Channel 5 cards. He's going in against Amo Williams. <clears throat> Excuse you gotta me. you got to think that he's tough because his entire life, life, he'd be like in school and people would say, are you Bent? And he'd have to say yes. So he probably got in a lot of fights, toughened him up. You know, you can't discount him. Yeah, and Matthew Butter said the card is shit. It is shit, but I'm talking about comparatively speaking. I've seen worse shit. There's levels of shit. This isn't quite as bad <laughs> as some of the other stools we've been served up this year. Matteo Signani against Felix Cash as well. You didn't see what Steve and I saw in the zone yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly for the European title. So uh, yeah, what do you what do you think of this undercard, Andrew? Um, well, I don't like. I'll mention Peter Kadiru for example. He's a I think the only reason he's on the undercard is because Joshua used him, used him in sparring a fair bit, and I'm assuming that's the reason why he's on this card because he's been used for sparring again. So, okay. opportunities. Um, Wardley Coffee should be decent. I would imagine Wardley probably, do you think, maybe stops mid, mid half of that fight, possibly? Yeah. Yeah, decent call. Um, again, depends what kind of attitude he's coming with. Uh, I'm expecting Cash to win by by stoppage. Um, Sing you, I think I've seen at least one of his fights for a European title. He's well up in age, actually, so I do expect Cash to be able to get him. He should be close to his peak. I, um, I was taking a look at him, like, yeah, maybe he has a shot. Then when's he like 43? I'm like, oh shit, that pops out. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm trying to remember who it was. I think he, he may have got stopped in one of his recent fights, but I'm sure it was in a cut. I think he may have to pull up his record here. Yeah, 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 there it's there. Yeah, technical decision defeat, and he he's blasted the guy in a rematch. Had the guy done once. Uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, European title defense, a Spaniard again, European level. Um, yeah, so at this age, forty-three year old. Now, I mean, it was a big, it was a big yeah, thing for him actually to come back, and, uh, regain that European title. I imagine, but. Uh, Big op- it's a big opportunity for him, I suppose, but he's putting it on the line here. I would imagine I'm expecting Cash to, to basically break him down. Um, probably the eighth and the ninth, actually. Um, I think he's going to make it count. Going to make it count. I don't think he could, not so much afford to look at a, 12, a board and 12 round decision, but you want to see him kind of step it up against the, especially against a guy of this caliber. If he's expecting to be world level, has to has to up it a little bit here. No too sure about the, the Williams uh, River Wilson Ben fight. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time I seen Ben fight actually. Um didn't he lose to someone in a fight that was uh, he got Tyler Denny, was it? No? There you Did go. He fight somebody else? No, it was somebody else. He got iced. Who was it? Hamza Shearers. 
Hamza Shearer's, that who it was, right? Williams will stop him, I think. Williams isn't too bad, actually. Well, they're trying to set up the fight between Felix Cash and, and Austin Williams. This is just kind of a in-between. I, I don't know what the struggle was in actually just making it off the bat, but that should be the next fight for both of these fighters coming off of this card if they're both successful. Uh, Matt Butters is there mentioning about TBA being out three times on the zone card. Never mind that, Andy. What happens if you were going to this Birmingham card on Friday night? Some some fair action in line for you there. What's the card, mate? This was on Friday right, night. This, this was Friday morning, anticipating the card, having a look on BoxRec, <laughs> seeing what you bought a ticket for. Oh, mate, I'll tell you what, actually. <laughs> Jesus Christ, oh, that's a BCB card, isn't it? Um, they had a card on on Friday night, actually. It was the same on BoxRec there, but I thought... If you check box right, mate, I'm sure it's next Friday or Saturday. It might be America, right? Some I forget the name of the fucking place, but it's some outpost, and this card must have at least forty fucking fights yes, on it. I saw that. Sorry, Andy. You see that? It's, I think there's a box trick mistake there because if you look closely, which I did, sad bastard that I am, oh, a lot of the names are duplicated. Like they've got different oh, names fighting against a... the same people. I think there's been a fuck up with the editors or something there. Or maybe as a tourney, yeah. possibly. Because I was counting them, there was about forty-three. Yeah, it might be a tournament. You could be quite right. Fucking hell. I was like, fuck, who's going to stand and watch all that shit? Because I was counting them and then I noticed the same names kept coming up and I was like, Aye, but then it was man was... Battle Royale. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was WrestleMania week day, but uh, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even look at the, the, the names. I just looked, I've seen like, the list of fucking fights. Uh, I looked across to make sure it was an amateur event. No, it's pro box. No, it's pro box. That's right. Yeah, no, I think there may be a tournament. You could be right there. Jesus Christ. Fuck's sake. Good luck um, to everybody going it, to that shit. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Maybe Matty will watch it. Um, if you're not watching that, Matty, are you, what about the AJ undercard? Anything that takes your fancy? Do you recognise any of the names? Michael Coffey? Have you seen him before? That, that could be a decent enough fight. Um, Coffey seems, I don't know, a little bit out this last couple of fights. But yeah, decent enough undercard, I Yes, no, no, actually, it isn't. Sorry, that's a lie. This event is entirely shit. There's rumors that Franklin might want to pull out for some dumb reason. Yeah, it might go down the tubes real awfully quick. Um, so do you I, think the uh, Franklin thing is just like trying to drum up a bit of interest or something? I don't think he'll pull out, surely. It'd be a massive payday for him. I th- it's as someone said in the in the Nutters group, it was something weird with the promoter Salida and he because he, he wanted Wallen in there. Um, but I, uh, that could be wrong and it could just be something for Franklin to try to milk a few dollars out of the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. No one's going to pick Wallen. No one's going to want to fight him. He's low, he's high risk, low risk, high, you know what I'm trying to say? One of the, one of them combinations. Why would you fight someone like Wallen? He's, he's a nightmare. Well, yeah. And it's really hard for a guy like Otto to be able to stay motivated with all these guys sidestepping him after that performance, uh, he gave against Fury. Yeah. I mean, mm. you know, not just, not just the fact that. He made it the distance with Fury, but but he made it a rough go of it for him the, the entire way. So it's a, uh, you know, Otto, uh, we appreciate you, man. Keep your head up. We we want you to get one of those big fights because you deserve them. So, but uh, yeah, you just got to keep trudging. I mean, this sport isn't fair whatsoever. ever. We know that for a fact. Andy, I'm not going to lie. I know we're negative on here and we're haters and we're miserable bastards, but I'm really struggling to get up for this AJ Franklin fight. I know Franklin outperformed himself against Dillian White, and if they'd have even put AJ against White in the rematch, I could have said, you know what, we've seen it before, not really that fussed, but fair enough. But the fact they've brought Franklin in off losing to White as like a preeminent fight before the White rematch, it's like, why on earth do we need to see? I have no interest in this. Is that White fight even still mooted, actually? Because oh, I don't know. Fuck's sake, Kim. I don't know, man. 
Confidence I, I, builder, maybe, is it? Well, I, get, I suppose there's part of that too as well. But at the same time, um, it's, it's, it's one thing getting the win and maybe a knockout, but I think a lot has got to be he's got to look good, isn't he? Does he know? Because if he, if mm. he's like if he's like toiling or lethargic in any way, if he's if he's unconvincing really in a, in a, in a stoppage victory, that's maybe like a mercy stoppage or it's maybe one of your weak British ones and that. It's not going to really do him much good because you're going to get a negative reaction to it anyway. He's got to come out. He's got to be pissing light with the jab. Um, I'd imagine Franklin will be game. Um, he seems to have a decent enough beard. I, I don't know how long's he had the game for this fight. Was it a good training camp at least because he had jiggly tits for the the Dylan White fight, if I can recall. I feel like they announced this at least six weeks ago. So I mean, it was it might not be the longest training camp. Eddie standards. Fair. He's had a good run, hasn't he? He can yeah. box a bit, Franklin. He's not the worst I've well, seen in the world. Well, and it's box. not like it's not like you know the other divisions where you're trying to make weight either. So you got to take that whole quotient out of the training camp. Yeah, right. that's well. true. So he can box. He's got he's got decent combinations. Um, don't know about his power, obviously. That I mean, he, he's done enough to keep White at bay, even though White was throwing punches at him. Obviously, left hooks and that. I think if if um, Josh would been better with the straight shots than what Dylan White was, I think he'll have better success. Um, if Franklin kind of move the head, I think he might be eating jabs all night. Maybe the straight right hands, and if Josh, if Josh we can bring the left hook in, I've noticed the. Uh, Franklin can carry the right hand a wee bit low, so maybe there's a chance that AJ can land in the left hook there. But um, I expect him to win, and I expect him to win by stoppage, probably like in a latter half of the fight, maybe. Um, again, because he just... made a good point, Andy, I was just going to say last week, when he said that PK, AJ, when he was going through the gears, would have smashed oh, right. this guy to bits. But now, we just don't know, do we? Yeah, we don't. We don't. Um, and obviously, it's his first fight with... Who's that again? Is he your trainer again? Oh, I don't know. Spence, Spence's trainer. <laughs> So you just don't know if they're working on new things, which I don't think they really need to really. I think AJ's he's just because of how he's built straight shots, you know, keep it, just keep it straight shots. He's got, he's got a decent dig on him. Yeah. I think what he, can I, you teach him? Exactly. What can you do differently? You kind of get him to dance, you kind of get him to move the balls his feet without gas, and he's, he's got a limited window as to how effective he is for. Um, just not a finisher, I must admit, but I think the longer a fight goes, the gas tank starts to deplete a little bit, but it, it will definitely have more than enough to beat Franklin. But again, it comes down to how you look at the end of the day and that he's got to try and get himself as much back in the shot window as such. But if he, if he can prove that he's still like a, a kind of force in the heavyweight division as such, I mean, if he comes out and blasts a guy out in 90 seconds, then right, okay, uh, the hype will be back on. But um, I expect it to go a few rounds. And I, I, I hopefully I want to see Franklin at least have a go. I think he will. He will. Um, I definitely I think, think he will. will. I think he will, Andrew. Aye. Whether he's got enough to trouble Joshua, that's another thing. And I wonder again if he's just got the power and a wee bit of dig on him to get Joshua to you know get get to worry a little bit about the power that's coming or the shots coming at him. Um, yeah, I still think Joshua's going to win by stoppage, Joe. So I'll go for a bit of run about an eighth or ninth round stoppage for Joshua. Um, I don't know if he'll be in trouble or anything like that, to be fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, again, it comes down to how, how he looks at the end of the day. And I think he's going to look good to try and, you know, keep the interest in him and that as well, because I don't know how the ticket sales are going for his fight still, but they were fucking shocking a couple of weeks mm. back and that. So, uh, maybe fight to the half-filled stadium, who knows? Yeah, Dr. FMG says James will have him nicking rounds to save his gas tank. That's right. He has Charlo fighting quite conservatively, so that could be the case. Uh, Matty, Mark Stanton says, who wants to see AJ versus White too? 
White is shot to bits and both have been exposed. I agree with that, but we're going to see it. That's what they're going to do. So my point yeah. was, let's just get to it, shall we, rather than this precursor. But as Mark also says, if Franklin goes at him, AJ will bottle it fast. I'd love to see Franklin come out the, sh- the traps and just say, you know what, I'm going to throw hell for leather for four or five rounds and see what happens. I don't know if Franklin's going to do that. No, I don't think he will. I, don't think I, he will. I, I think, um, you know, the thing with this fight, and you look at, like, how, you know, Franklin might have overperformed against White. Well, kind of, you know, White White's problem kind of recently in his career is that he, he he's either fighting, uh, you know, like, kind of hanging out outside waiting for a certain shot, or he's in too close for it to matter. When Dillian White, where the place that he's dangerous, is kind of at mid-range. And I, I think Pavet can kind of scare the shit out of him from doing that again, possibly. Um, but that, I mean, that was just a huge, you know, fucking rando shot. Um, so I think kind of taken from that and the fact, you know, I'm like, I don't think that the way that he fought Franklin and I, I don't think there's a lot to judge from that. Nothing against Franklin. I think he's a decent enough fighter. But I think that AJ style is going to be better for a fighter like Franklin because he, he's going to kind of keep him at a certain range with the jab and, and potentially force Franklin to kind of lean in uh, or jump in with shots to try to find him. And, and I, I, I think that this opponent does play well into his hands. I mean, if you're looking at it from the perspective of uh, Eddie Herman matchroom right now, they can't have Joshua looking like shit against some uh, against some opponent that that doesn't matter. If they're going to put him in with somebody that that doesn't have very much name recognition, whatever, it's it's got to be with the purpose of looking at, making Anthony Joshua look spectacular. So if he's not entirely just mentally shattered, I expect him to to take out Franklin, and I expect him to do it reasonably early. Um, the the books have the line at uh, at, at seven and a half. Okay, what about the prediction there, Matty? Are you going for the lines, or what we're looking at here? I moved the line to six and a half because I I really feel strongly that they might that they're incorrect on that. Um, and and good to say that Oz went under, Rob went over, so we do have a difference at the top right there. Um, in uh, how we're seeing this going, and this time let's work from the let's this time let's uh let's see we do top down, let's go bottom up this time. Um, Andy, do you think this is going more or less than six and a half? You did say eight or nine, so I'd say you're thinking over. Yeah, possible over, mate. So, uh, hopefully, if, if uh, Franklin does what we expect, hopefully come and have a go. He seems to have a decent enough conditioning in terms of like, so how he can take the shots. Now, I expect him to kind of go rounds, but again, it really hinges on how AG approaches it. If he's going to be aggressive or he's just going to work on a few things, keep it straight shots, and maybe just pick it up and knock him out late. But yeah, I'll go for a run about the, the, the over, mate. Okay, all right. I, I'm going. I'm going the under. I, I kind of agree with Oz on this one. I we didn't discuss it specifically, but I I actually think that Josh was probably going to do it, and not even six and a half, probably less than five and a half. I think before the sick bell, like excuse me, before the bell rings for the six, I think it's going to be done. Steve, what are you going? One decided now because I'm thinking he might want to come out and make a statement given the trouble that Franklin had with White. And I just think f- he's cherry picked, man. I, I they can't yeah. risk they can't risk losing the name of Joshua off of three state defeats. There's nothing to gain off of Franklin winning. I think you're right, and he gave a good performance against Usyk, especially with that body shot. And well, he gave a, a good performance in line of I thought he was definitely going to get stopped in about seven or eight by Usyk, and the fact that he went the distance and hurt him. And hung in there shows that he's definitely still got a bit of the old bite. But overperforming against Usyk should matter more than overperforming against Dillian White. Mm. You know? Yeah, I, I. Now that said, I don't know this is a, 
a tentative safety first version of Joshua. And I think Franklin has showed enough that he's tough enough to last. I think Joshua might get rid of him in around nine or ten. So I'm going the over. What do I know, Matty, at the end of the day? I don't know, but the good thing for you, Steve, is starting next week, you're going to be able to try to take your crown back in the Boxing Nutters Prediction League. And just remember, anybody who is not a part of that and in the uh, the, the Nutters group, you'll that'll be available to you. But if you're not part of the Patreon, that's not going to be available to you. So any of our listeners that might be wanting to get in on the action, why don't you hop on over, join through Patreon, and we'll take care of the rest. Loving this hard sell, Matty. This is like QVC. Yeah, I'm I'm done pimping out money for for YouTube to Jack from a Steve. It's all about the Patreon. Yeah, well said. No, I'm washed now. I'm like Jesus Soto Carras. I'm still in the prediction league, but my best days are behind me, and I'm cutting a lot easier than usual these days. Yeah, but you can still take one hell of a beating, Steve. <laughs> Absolutely can. Mrs. Wellington can attest to that. Uh, shout out to Craig. He says after ten years in the sport and 170 professional contests, Lewis Van Poch Pooch has bowed out of boxing after defeating former snooker player Steve Davis by a score of 39-37 on a Sanigar event show in Bristol last night. Former friend of the pod is Lewis. Congratulations to him. I know he's a friend of Take Ames as well, who hasn't been spotted tonight. But 170 bouts. He's uh, Fonz Alexander's um, uh, gaining on him with his 170 or something as well now. So, yeah, it's a hell of a long time in the sport for Mr. Lewis there. So, yeah. fair play to him. And, and guys like that are um, very unique to the, uh, the 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 British fight scene, I think Steve uh, at the end yeah. of the day in that part of the world likes. They asked in the Nutters group, but can you think of anyone that's the equivalent in, in you know in the American you know America today? Like the closest I could go back was kind of like somebody like Emmanuel Augustus, but even he's you know some levels above that. But just those guys who are ready at uh, at a moment's notice to jump in in a fight, and not necessarily win, but give rounds to a young fighter and. And they can just do it over and over again. They're they're always in some degree of shape, man. That's a it's a different breed of guy, man. You, you got to give a lot of respect to that. And I, I I hope the sport remains such that 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 folks like that still have the chance to make a living because uh, their their value to up and coming fighters is truly immeasurable. I think as well, Matty, it's the fact of the geography and the locations wise that can get clock up the fights going across England over a shorter distance. Wales, Scotland, obviously come over to Ireland as well, maybe France or whatever, but especially within the UK and Ireland and get those fights on a regular basis as long as they don't get stopped. Whereas well, geographically, yeah. you can't really ship these guys over, can you, from West Coast to East Coast every weekend? Yeah, well, how long does it take, even if you take have to take a train from, say, London to, to Edinburgh? How, how long would that be on a train? Uh, be a good few hours. Five, five, six hours six, at least. Seven five, hours, that, say, that, yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Like it would take me longer than that to fly from one end of this country to the next. You know, I mean that. So that, uh, yeah, you guys have a have a different luxury travel, and that's a fair point. Geography does allow for that, but uh, you know, God, God love these guys. It's 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 a just they're they're a different breed of boxer, man. It's 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 hard to put into words. Yep, certainly is. Uh, my favourite American journeyman, just before we go into Bellew of the Week, uh, I've mentioned it before many times on this podcast, Matty, uh, Eric Crumble. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's some name, isn't it, Crumble? He, he was Norton 31, all 31 knockouts by, uh, sorry, losses by knockout. And I think he got into the second round on about four occasions. Most of them were first rounds. I think he had a bit of a problem with the old pipe, Mr. Crumble. And he was a kind of have have pipe, will travel from 1990 up till 2003 when he retired. 
Uh, and Stacey Goodson as well, who we mentioned the other weekend, was a good journeyman as well. So you do have them knocking around. You know, what's interesting, kind of when I think about it, Steve, is, is sometimes former champions and title challengers, they're going downhill, kind of fill that role over here. You know, your Juan Carlos Burgos is of the world, maybe. Um, going back, uh, God, wasn't it, you know, uh, uh, was Ray Mercer fought for years and years upon years um uh living oliver mccall as well yeah yeah all there you go i think i was thinking oliver mccall yeah livingstone bramble he that guy fought for fucking ever after his his best days and and things of that nature and and you never know what they they always have that one little chance there sherman williams you remember that guy oh the tank yeah yeah he he gave he gave a lot of up-and-coming heavyweights a good night night's work too um, yeah, it's, a, I, I think, uh, sometimes the, the commissions are a little more heavy handed over here too. And they, and they might keep people from, uh, from plying their trade quite as easily. I think as well, Marty Jakubowski, he had it nailed down. He ended up with a record of 119 and seven. He was from Indiana. And what he used to do was he would have like a load of fights in Kansas or Indianapolis or any of these kind of backwaters. And then he'd go over to like Germany to lose to Arthur Gregorian, come back have a load more wins in Kansas. Then he'd come over and fight Julio Cesar Chavez, get knocked out, went back over to Denmark to fight Dennis holback Peterson. And in between these major fights, he was winning nine or ten in a row on the club circuit in, like, Kentucky or wherever. Fuck yeah. That's a that, that's a great way to do it. And and, and why not? Like, I, I appreciate guys who, who, like, don't necessarily think they're ever going to win a championship, but they find a make-away uh, or they find a way to make a living in the ring. It, right on, you know, whatever way you do it, the, those characters of the world, uh, whether that Indian guy that uh, from Oklahoma that finds his way getting knocked out every few fights after he goes and beats up on some random drunks around his town, George Tahima Babuio or whatever. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, probably. Yeah, fought Delvin Rodriguez. It's I like these characters. That's why I kind of love about boxing, because there's these guys who fight 170 fucking times and never win, never win a championship, but they're still part of the fabric of boxing. It's a cool sport. Right, any other business, boys? Are we happy enough to move on to the old Bellu? Party on. Let's do it. Let's go on to Bellu of the week for episode 516. Matty's still here. He's got nowhere else to go. Andy as well is with me, Steve. Danny Young's got nowhere else to go. He's trying his luck. No luck tonight. He's been turned down. He's with us. We're second best. We're happy enough to take it, Danny. If you're offering Bellu of the week, um, let's see who's going to play us in this weekend. A lot of the boys have sent me this one, actually. I'm not a big fan of impressionists. I think some of them are damn right shit, to be honest. But fair play to the people who try. But this fella, whoever he is, was doing quite an accurate Frank Warren impression. Uh, so much so, I thought it was uh, well enough to play us into the Bellu of the Week this week. Yeah, you know, I think everyone's been uh, very unfair to Tyson, you know, saying he doesn't want to fight and uh, never wanted it. We're moving a goalpost. It's not the case at all, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, it might put a couple of clauses in the contracts, pretty standard stuff, you know, the rematch clause, and the no rematch clause clause. And, of course, we had the you know, the Santa Claus clause where, you know, the winner gets presents and the, every year and the loser has to, you know, fuck off to the... Uh, North Pole, you know, and uh, the Wolverine claws, claws, where, you know, Sison's allowed to get nine inch you know, stainless steel metal blades surgically implanted into his hands. But that's pretty standard stuff, you know. And then uh, it was U16 that didn't want that, and they, uh, they walked away, you know, and that's, uh, that's why I was cancelled. <laughs> oh, he's actually got it, didn't he? A teed up voice, eh? 
<laughs> the mystery of the fight not happening uh, deepens. But that was quite a good one, Andy. Actually enjoyed that. Ah, it's good actually. I mean, he, uh, oh, he needs to do a year, a music one now actually about the contract negotiations. You know, uh, greedy belly. I accept seven day birthday, no problem at all. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's been amazing to watch this. But I, I personally, as I say to you guys during the week, um, I'm not saying Fury's scared or whatever, not, but I don't think he was in camp for such a short date, to be fair. Um, somebody said that Sugar Hill was only meant to be here until the 28th of March for the Coley fight, and then he was going back to America. Um, so I doesn't like him like. You know, doesn't well if it's true, then doesn't kind of tie in that Fury was going to fight on that date. Um, Uncle Frank seems to be kind of slightly raging, I would say. Um, you can read, read into who he's raging with, I suppose. But uh, it's just disappointing again that you know the fight the fans want to want to see is like Crawford against Spence. We waited years to get Floyd Pack out of that man. Who's got this sorry ass dance? You know. All this shit, man. It's just like A side this and A side that. The disrespect shown to use it, man, is incredible. To be fair, Matt. You know, okay, we get the Fury is supposed to be the A side and all that type of thing, but let's get it fucking straight. Fury ain't no A side. He thinks he is, by the way. He ain't worth five hundred million. That's what he was asking for, wasn't it? That's what he was wanting for the comeback, coming out of retirement, five hundred million. Um, you know, what was it? It's got to be 70 30. Yep, we'll take that. No problem at all. No rematch clause. Yep, no problem at all. But however, if there's a rematch clause, I want to have 70 30. Eh, no, mad. You're fucking raging. No, just take it or leave it, midget, pussy, rabbit, all this type of shit, man. Shit house, what we want to throw in there. The usual stuff, man. We've heard it all before. He's a shit house. Yep, whilst us, the fans, are fucking shafted again. Eh, if it wasn't the. Look, I'm, I'm not saying there's, there's no blame on each side of the fence here, right? And everybody's probably got to blame on that. But I think you can say, look, use each side's walked away, which is factual. But at the end of the day, is if you feel like you're getting fucked about and you've got a short fuse or you've got a, you know, a short window, you look, listen, fuck them off. Let's go somewhere else. And then they can hang on to their, their hat on to that. Now, if Tommy Fury come out and say what he said, I mean, dude, this is the guy who ducked fucking Jake Paul twice before he actually fucking fought him. You know, and he's, t- he's out here telling us is the that Tyson hasn't he, like ducked the fight? Was he ducked the fight? But he's 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 not taking it on the day that was was agreed. I don't think he's in camp, a full fighting camp for a championship fight against an elite fighter, right? He needs a wee bit kind of longer time. And I thought it was kind of you know, a tight deadline anyway, but it's no happening. We're fucked again, and uh, the fo- the fallout will be massive as usual. But um. I'm staying out here this time because I was fatigued after Floyd against uh, Pacquiao. And the way this shit's going to go, man, it'll be exactly the same. And that's exactly the same how Spence Crawford went. We'll be waiting years for that one. Oh, no, there's, there's rumors that that's happening, Andy. There's fucking Ugh. rumors it's back up and going for June 17th. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see. Look, it's one of these things. We'll wait to see what it happens. If it happens, if they're in the ring, that's when it's going to happen. But, um, yeah. We're just fucked again, mate. It's okay we've had these lower-tier cards to keep us interested, decent fights. We've had some good fights this year, man. But we want to see the big fights, the transcendent fights of the sport. Garcia versus Tank is still happening. Yep, great fight. Yeah, I suppose I. Um, yep. But at the same time, as mate, we need we need the big fucking, you know, the flagship division. You know, fuck's sake, man. We've had, mm-hmm. you've had, you've had all these talks. For, the thing is, well, like, Fury and that, right? <laughs> 
and again, it's, it's not a kind of slight thing, but, but Fury knew about the kind of like the the issue with Wilder. Remember the the, the legal case they had them have that third fight. Yeah. Yet they strung mm-hmm. us along with the Joshua situation for how long? Over a year. And they fucking you know they let Eddie do all the talking, let him fuck himself up, trip himself over, which is great <laughs> to see, fantastic to see. But then they knew about the clause. You know, I think it was October time the previous year that that was going to. Oh, it's just a whole fucking mess, man. If there's no one thing, it's the other. And I just don't, I just don't think they, they could maybe even accept that the safe music was to win the fucking fight. Think about it. He'd been being the one of the first independent boxers since when Ray Leonard to become world champion. Yeah, good point, yeah. There's a point, by the way, because music is independent, he's got no clauses to anybody, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a free agent as, as such, so to speak, and if he was to win the fight, man, he would be he would be outside of the, the sphere, you know, the sphere influence would be outside looking in, basically, Frank, Eddie, PBC, all those guys, and that, like, fucking hell, really, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's maybe, it's maybe, it's maybe their way to maybe try and fragment the belts a little bit in that as well, you know? I, I'm looking at it as a looking at it as a positive because this is just one less pay per view I have to buy in the next six weeks. He's so selfish, Matty. Yeah, well, it, yeah, <coughs> I, I, I I keep I keep the sport going with my money. Well, as yeah. Mark Stanton says, it's never happened. It will be in Saudi when the money is ready. Uh, that's well, the thing is, anyway. Saudi apparently what the dealings with you know who, but you know what. And who's still advising you know who, but you know what? Quit talking about my mom, you fuck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, according to Frank, it's really simple, Yusik. Go fight Bacoli. Go fight Hergovic. See what you earn if you don't fight Tyson. Frank, getting animated. He loves to get animated these days. The old blood pressure's through the roof. He wants a... Uh, you think 50- he's pissed off at Tyson as well at the same time? Because he's losing a payday there as well, hey, Uncle Frank. Mm. Yeah. Dev's been on it. He said, uh, this would mean we see a fight between the two best heavyweights in the world when they're talking about Tyson Fury against Joe Joyce. He loves a troll, doesn't he, old Dev? Yeah. yeah. Team players, Dev. Yeah, I know. Dev. he knows what he's doing. He listens in as well. Shout out to Dev. Hit the like and subscribe, Dez. Uh, Dez. Dez as well, Dev too, if you're listening. Uh, Holt over on the Patreon and Dominic alerted me to this one. There he is, our mate. <laughs> Turning oh, up at the way in. <laughs> I've seen them coming in too. Oh, Jeho- was he Ho- Ho- Hosea? So there he is for the first time in the US. Surprised they let him in, to be honest. WBC ambassador. Why wouldn't Mate, you want him as an ambassador of your company? He came in in a fucking diplomatic <laughs> bag, that cunt. They need to put him through airport security. Climbing over the wall. Dude, I just... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just happy that someone was fi- able to find something else for him to do after Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> He's a state, isn't he? Oh, dear. Anyway, we're talking estates. Shane Rob's not here to enjoy this one. Look at this. For a fight poster, Vienna Boxing Championship, ready for a bit of the old ultra boxing. It's a WBF, not a world title fight, Andy. A WBF eliminator, a light heavyweight. Harry strikes against Marco Mononen. When's it start? It's the 25th. It was last night, apparently. I'm not sure what I happened here. I'll tell you what, man. Look at the sponsors on that thing and sheet, man. It's like a fucking Swedish football team. <laughs> Look at it, man. Pure let, pure LED. Gary Boxing. WBF title. I wouldn't be surprised. An eliminator tape for WBF title. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these sponsors tattooed on the back of these. Yeah, exactly. Possibly. Not, you know. Holy shirt. Holy shirt, maybe. Post-terminal. <laughs> Terminal sounds a bit right. Garage <laughs> boxing. You know, Harry Strikes is a pretty decent porn name, honestly. If I can, oh, yeah. Don't fucking neglect to remember that one. Get in there. RBO titles on the line as well. The Royal Boxing Organization. I think oh, our right. thief Daniel won that one, didn't he, back in the day? So, they are. Royalty. Anyway, it gets Royal better. Here we are. What about John Clark? This is the way to promote a show. 
the statement Friday the 17th of March. It was on, streamed live on BBTV. No messing about with this guy. Forget about the boxers. He's got the waitresses on the fight poster. <laughs> the brawl babes. He's even got Ali Drew and Barry, and Barry Jones on it. <laughs> Barry Jones, that well-known sex, sex icon, you know. <laughs> sex symbol. <laughs> That's one way to do it, boys. Never mind. Forget about the fights. Stick the ring card girls on the poster. Okay, yeah. Yeah, a statement. That's quite the statement. Some jebs, are Oh, it certainly is. Uh, Prince Patel and Isaac Warrior Low are going back and forward on each other. Uh, Isaac Warrior Low, this was going on from last week. He said, like I said, I would not give you the payday of the Fury card, but what I want to do is give you a very, very bad beating and put you back to being a little Insta and YouTube entertainer. Hashtag you fake. That's quite a, a good uh, sentence there from Isaac. He said, just walk up this morning thinking I not heard anything from a little sausage, probably thinking he can't get a payday. Now he went back making the fake belt. If you keep taking the pen, you might get to my weight, you pussy boy, and get some balls. And uh, Prince Patel says, can someone please translate this? <laughs> fake warrior. <laughs> <laughs> your, your head was too far up Tyson's rectum to realise. <laughs> I fucking loads too busy, man. Jump out of fucking cupboards when scared Tyson, man. You go with the gym, man. Fucking fighting. <laughs> And then guys, what's he saying here? I would not give you the I would not give you payday for Fury card. Oh, Who the fuck's he even fighting the Fury's card by He's the handing way? out the paydays, man. And by the way, does he forget what happened in his last fight? Yeah. He got fucking punchy pillow to post in his last fight. <laughs> your man here says, speaking of mark marking up fake belts, how is your super bampton championship coming along? <laughs> <laughs> you, you feel like these sorry, that Isaac Lowe one, you know, you feel like like uh they should collect all of those and use them like uh, for a charity to help educate traveler families and shit like this. Like <laughs> this child had no chances in education and look at, look at how he speaks with only $5 a month. You know, I, I don't know. I think there's something here. This is where you want to bring in Parish Fury for translation, but she's got enough problems on her hand. Her. She's got more than a sickness for the seventh time to concern herself with. Oh, another one. Right. Okay. Yeah, did you know? Did you know here? No, I don't think so. No, number seven's in the oven, mate. How can he be bothered with that? Fucking anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the Friday night card. I know you watched a bit of this, Andy. It was confirmed that former professional footballer and social media sensation Adiakin Fenwa will be in the ring and was the ring announcer. Oh my gosh! What kind of fight was that for? Was that him with Wickham Wanderers? A big heavy set guy. Yeah, the big massive guy. He beat the he big beast. shit, man. <laughs> A fucking hell! It was, it was a fucking walk, a running monument, running about. He was garbage. <laughs> We seen the guy you had, had to have it written in his contract that he had to have the weekend off the Super Bowl. I'm sure <laughs> it was him. Is that Somebody right? Check that out. I'm, sure, I'm sure it was something along the lines. Somebody check that out. Maybe it was WrestleMania. Or I can't remember. It was something along those lines. The American sport, he had written in his contract he had to have the weekend off because he was attending it. I'm sure it was the Super Bowl, though. Oh, he was awful to him, man. A, he's massive, massive guy, wasn't he? I don't know how he got around the pitch, to be fair. Fucking hell. He's doing bits all that, eh? Uh, Stefan was going in on Bibor and Ben Shalom. He said, Ben Shalom not only stated that Callum Simpson is from Sheffield, despite him being from Barnsley, but he also said he's ready for Felix Cash, who isn't even in the same weight class. <laughs> Genuinely embarrassing. <laughs> ben Shalom looks like he doesn't know what day of the week it is, man, sometimes. <laughs> he's fucking terrible, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I seen him last night walking into view after that Gomez fight. He started like, clapping like a seal and just turned the cameras on him. He turned around and walked away. <laughs> He has the personality of a broken toaster, man. Who thought oh. it was a good idea to put him onto the telly? 
Oh man, he's, he's, he's got a personality, a toaster that's live, jumped in a fucking bath by a human being inside it, man. With Bean? Oh. <laughs> Maybe oh. Bean, Bean looks up as a son, you know? I bring Bean. Bring Bean back, I say. A big John Fisher getting a nomination from you, Andy. He said, a lot of Eddie Hearn and Matchroom boxing haters around. But if everyone is being honest, Matchroom production of shows is by far the best. Hoping that Matchroom now being shown back on a Sky Channel will push a few more fans back to watching Matchroom shows. The show not, might not be the best this year, Andy, but the mm. production is there. That's the main thing. Oh, he's good lighting, mate. You know, empty arenas. You know, you could just see how they cut off the kind of like empty seats now. Or maybe you should be dressed as seats. I don't know what it is, to be fair. But I just thought, I was trying to think to myself, was there any Matchroom fighters on that card last night? Um, No. No, so I just wondering why we should get back to watching Matchroom shows on Sky. So, big L for Big John. Big L for Big John. I see he's taking the L's at the moment. Maybe he should fight for this. Title watch, what's this, Andy? You alerted me to this one, the Western Aye. K Championship. Somebody said that Ryan Farag was meant to fight in that South African card, so I never saw the result. I don't know if it happened, but I stuck it on for like five, ten minutes, and this, this shit appeared. So, uh, I know how I like a good title watch, mate. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. boxing, South Africa. I don't know what belt it is to be. I don't know if it's the Western Cape State title. Fuck knows, mate. But it looks, you remember the film Kickboxer? Yes. And uh, when Tong Po sends a guy to the fucking hospital <laughs> with a fractured spine, right? And he picks the belt up and he's still got the boxing gloves on and he rips the belt in half. Right? I'm sitting myself, what kind of shit is that? So that's what that fucking reminds me, man. That it looks like something you'd order from Argos, isn't it? You know, exactly, for the kids yeah. for Christmas. Some paper mache bollocks. Oh they probably knocked 10 lumps of shit out of each other as well to win that title last <laughs> night, whoever fought for it. I don't know who it was meant to be fair. I didn't check the results either. Oh, dear. Well, maybe the winner could win this. Like Travis, not bad. Ebony Bridges collection so far. Six more signed photos added this week. Look at that for the collection. Wonder where, wonder where he's keeping that collection. Ooh, Matty, where would you keep that yeah. collection, man? Matty, chicks would dig, man. Where would you keep it? I don't <laughs> think I would ever purchase anything of your bedroom Andy. ceiling. I bet you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably stuck to the ceiling, isn't it? <laughs> you see if you can fire tomorrow, but <laughs> where would I hang the sex swing? Hard drive checks as guys go. Checking hard drive. Oh, poor old Travis. They're having fun. Leave him alone. Uh, Craig Price. Great to meet you, Fang Bruno, <laughs> the other day. <laughs> Hashtag respect. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Fang Bruno. It's <laughs> just Dion Dublin. Good lad, Craig. I think he used to listen to the show, Craig, actually. Anyway, Johnny Scott got nominated by Ted earlier. Uh, Coley is shit to watch. Okay, well, you become six foot six with a reach of about 10 metres and see what you do when someone tries getting in range on your chest. Boxing Twitter is proper Div Central. Well, he's right about that last bit, under. Oh, he's without doubt right, mate. But uh, <laughs> for the rest of it, the rest of it is it's a mass Bob. You see, mate. Yeah, just reading the match report was enough, mate. The match report, the fight report. Sorry, it was enough. You know. That's what it drive you to. Drive you to drink. Uh, you threw this one in. It's <laughs> like fucking Bugsy Malone. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's press pass, Paul says, man. You couldn't find him or send us a photo if you could, eh? Look at mine. This looks like proper Frankie Carbo fucking Mafia yeah. style. <laughs> Doesn't it, eh? I don't think it's missing a fucking Tommy gun. Ah, good stuff. Uh, right, a final one from me, boys. Uh, Canelo's fighting John Ryder soon, but the haters are gathering as usual. There's always these bitter bastards in the sport, isn't there? Always trying to put people bastards. down all the time. So negative. 
just trying to slight Canelo for being a drugs cheat. Why don't they just leave him alone, the bitter bastards? It doesn't really matter how long he's banned for. His reputation's finished in the, in the sport. Um, he's a great fighter, but who knows how long he's been cheating for. Um, should he be banned longer? Yeah. Should he be financially penalised? Absolutely. Like any crime, if there's no punishment, it's going to just encourage people to commit them. So if you're a young fighter and you're thinking about doping in the sport and you see Canelo Alvarez just get a six-month fine with no financial penalty, I'll give it a go. I'll run the risk. I'm a Canelo and Eddie Reynoso fanboy, obviously. And I'm just in awe of Canelo Alvarez. I'm thinking, how good is this fighter? He can't be beaten. I'm not sure who put that together, but fair play. It was called Before and After the Canelo Alvarez money. <laughs> oh, my God. He's classic. He more faces than the turn all clock. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. He would lick any arsehole if it fucking... If it, if it generated cash for him, man. You know, obviously, if you look at the profits he's supposed to there, man, you know, doing well, you know, doing well financially and sexually as well, by yeah, all accounts. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, he's just a... Uh, we obviously, we, we'll never forget that. Remember, he's got the picture on the mantelpiece in the house where Canelo gave him a cuddle from behind. He, he, he's sitting down. I was like, oh my God, man, the guy's proper love. So I think he might be, um, he might be batting for the wrong side a wee bit as well, I think, Eddie. Why not? He's loving life, Matty. That's all the ones I've got this week. I mean, Ed, Ed, <laughs> any nominations from you, please? Oh, I think if you don't give Kenny Bayless one, you'd be remiss. Yeah, so let, let's let's give Kenny one. I and I frankly, I mean, I already went through it. I I just think that one's hard to beat. And I know we try to keep it the lighthearted stuff on this, but fuck, I that's one of the most clearly biased performances I've seen from a referee in a very long time. I like the way Bailey stands off and he puts the little hands up, doesn't he? Like, have you ever seen that thing that he does? He stands back and he puts his, yeah, his hands up like Steve he, Willis. He's got, Go he's got his arse sticking out of the back. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like, yeah. like a fucking light, like, like Donald Duck, you know, kind of like quacking out of the face. Now. <laughs> I wonder if he's Jerry Rice's dad or Johnny <laughs> Rice's. Jerry Rice. the big ass. Jerry Rice. Yeah, Jerry Rice about the same age as Bayless. Who who was the guy? Who was the general manager of Chicago Bills? Who was his name? Phil Jackson? No, the other one. You know, the team general manager. The wee guy. Oh god, I don't remember. Doesn't matter. But Jerry something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Jerry Adams. Any from you this week, um, Andy? Uh, well, one for Jermaine Franklin for putting in that lawsuit. Yeah. Practically a week to go. Um, I'm not going to detail it, so I'll put a warning for that. Uh, Callis Erland actually after the London Arthur fight. I don't know if anybody caught it, but he was like, uh, he's he's like talking after the fight, and he's talking about yeah, world title fight next for London Arthur. It's going to be on Channel Five, and I'm like, I'm racking my brain here. I'm saying to myself, who the fuck's he going to be fighting on Channel Five for a world fucking title? And then he dropped the fucking big golden nugget, the IBO's world title, Steve, one of the big five. Yeah, love it, love it. So uh, I don't know who's going to be fighting for that, but he's now he's uh, what's the, uh, Callie says he's now the manager challenger for the vacant title. The fucking shithouse cunt, my manager challenger for the vacant title. What a cockfag, man! Fucking oh, man, he's fucking dead. I've got one for Auntie Joshua. Um, in an interview, I don't know who it was where again, it was obviously kind of building up to this Franklin fight. He asked the question to one of the interviewers, who did Muhammad Ali fight in his 22nd fight? 
Right, he says, you, you, you couldn't even name who Ali fought in his 20 second fight. So I'm kind of like racking my brains. This is really about the time he fought Liston or Floyd Patterson. Yeah. And uh, so as Danny Robson picked up on it, he says, Liston was his 20th and 21st. And then Patterson was his 22nd, I believe. Old Femi thought he was being smart. Always check box right, Anthony. Franklin Patterson. So one for Anthony Joshua there, mate, as well. And obviously one for the judges for the Colbert card. And there was another shocking decision. Oh, I Michael Gomez. Uh, no, for the, the the way Gomez acted, by the way, it's unanimous. Yeah. Look at Twitter, man. Every person thought he lost that fight. And his attitude after the fight stunk. And then Colbert as well, man. So... And Gomez in the, the in the way pushing your man in the way in as well. Aye, He's definitely well. not adopted, is he, Gomez? No, it's, that's uh, <laughs> that runs the, the family. Block. You can mm. you see, see the old man. The old man is the only person I've seen uh, bring Ricky Burns to the point of actually calling him an English bastard, right? <laughs> because he was like raging that day. And I remember Ricky saying, "He's no fucking coming up here, right?" And acting the big fucking man. I still see that cunt fucking next week. I tell you what, Ricky gave him a fucking beating, by the way. Boy, Danny says, are we getting a breakdown on the AJ fight next week? Maybe a mental breakdown. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I never thought yeah. about doing a post-fight pod. That's a that's a little that's a little the fighters registered to do, mate. No, I don't think I'm going to bother doing a post-fight pod. Maybe oh, a breakdown from the doctor. Yes, uh, that's what if he gets knocked out though? Well, yeah, well maybe. Or get beat. No, I'll think about that during the week. Actually, I haven't considered doing a post-fight pod. We usually do for AJ, so I might I might, I might end up doing that. If it drops in the week, you'll you'll know we've decided behind the scenes to do that. Yeah, the doctor Joseph Ajayo did did one. I put it up on the YouTube channel a few months ago. He hasn't done a recent one, but uh, I, I'm not going to get back in touch with him. I don't think. Maybe after the fight, we'll we'll throw one in for you. Sorry, I understand what you mean now. Anyway, uh, back to value of the week. Um, everyone's thrown in their picks. Let's go through them quickly. So we had Frank and the Frank impersonator, which was very good as well. Dev Sarney getting nominated. Uh, that scruffy bugger as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> WBF light heavyweight title, uh, the but the ball babes, uh, liking a bit of them. Uh, Prince Patel and Isaac Warrior Low going in on each other. Adiak in Fenwa, uh, Ben Shalom getting a nomination there. Big John Fisher, the Western Cape title. Ebony Bridges, Only fans uh, meeting Frank Bruno. Uh, Johnny Prescott getting nominated. Demetrius Salita as well, and AJ right at the end. Plus Eddie talking smack um, and licking Canelo's ring. Who are you going for this week, Matthew? Bayless. Kenny, oh yeah, Kenny Bayless, of course, as well. Disgraceful performance from him. Uh, what about you, Andy Hugan? For I really want to go for the judges in that Chris Colbert fight, but um, what was the one that if it was real? It was a fucking corker, actually. One of the earlier ones there, mate. So I just missed you kind of run down there. Um, what are you thinking here? Okay, so we had uh, Frank, obviously. Uh, we had uh, him, the homeless yeah. guy, the WBF yeah. title. The Ball Babes, Patel and Isaac Lowe, Adiak and Fenwa, Ben Shalom, John Fisher, Title, Ebbs, uh, Coley, Salita, and AJ. I'm going to go for AJ, actually. Try to be smart there, actually. So he's done his research for a man who's a big fan of Ali and I didn't even know who he fought. I'll go for Joshua. I'm going for the guy, although I think this is a troll because I'm sure Craig Aye, this one, this one I'm I'm sure Craig Peary used to listen to the pod. I recognise that name, so I wonder whether he's trolling there. <laughs> do, you, do you remember a few years ago, Andy, the one, the guy who thought he'd met Rigo? He put up a photo of himself. He was a Welsh guy with some random African guy. And he'd go, oh, Rigondo, thanks very much for the photo. And Rigo was like, that's brilliant, my friend, but that's not me. And your man was like, oh, fair enough. I was proper fucking wasted last night. <laughs> 
<laughs> just do it as a joke, man. Eh? Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, I'm going for him. I'm going for Craig Perry. I think that was a good one. Whether he's on the receiving end or, or he's giving it out there with him and Frank Bruno. Congratulations. You are Belly of the Week winner for episode 516. And shout out to our super chatter, our lone soldier tonight, which was Michael Thompson, who threw in a couple of quid earlier. He's also in the Boxing Nutters Messenger group, as is Martin Lithgow, who joined us earlier on. Shout out to him. That is everything we've got for this week. Matty will be back in the red hot seat for episode 517. Don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the like button if you want the show in May. So from now till the end of April, if we get over 100 likes every week, we'll do a little call-in show for you as well. What did Kenny Bailey do? Oh, nothing. I think it was in the Terry Norris-Lewis Santana fight, maybe, Chuck Crew. I think we were nominating him for that. Maybe you'll get to watch um, Benavidez against Plant sometimes next week. We might do a post-fight pod. For AJ, Franklin, I hadn't considered it, but I'll chat with the boys about that off the air. I've been Steve Wellings anyway. Thank you to Andy Patterson. Thank you to Matty DiGelanado and Rapping Rob Kelly as well for joining us right at the top of the show. We love you all. We'll see you all again same time, same place next week for episode, <coughs> excuse me, 517. And bye. We'll never forget. Don't think I should have me. Go to Adam we want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so angry that can fight me. I-, I fell asleep. I-, I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has filled has filled a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.